How's it going, party people? We sincerely hope you guys enjoyed today's special surprise episode drop with it being April 8th, otherwise known as a Rex Mini Day for you guys on Raw Rock out there. To call this a real treat would be a serious understatement, because seriously, guys, this one, well, this one's special. So why don't you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole and get right to it, shall we? Hitting that special music button for you guys in three, two... Happy Rex Many Day, fellow cinephiles and movie geeks, and welcome to the Film Effect Podcast, where we take all things film to the full effect. Before we get into the what's with today today, I wanted to take care of some business business and let you guys know that you can check out previous episodes of the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Breaker, Stitcher, and wherever else you enjoy your favorite shows. You can follow us along on both Facebook and Instagram at The Film Effect Podcast. You can check us out on Twitter at Film Effect Pod. And if you guys have any questions, comments, or requests, you can always email them to the film effect podcast at gmail.com there you go we're getting the hang of things <laughs> um current events well besides vaccinations going up it being wrestlemania week the weather's getting warmer and all things on the internet seems to be about godzilla versus kong yeah how do you think christopher nolan feels he thought tenet was gonna be the one to open theaters man and it turns out it was a big ass fucking monster movie that took an extra six fucking years yeah where did that come from yeah i mean i mean i can i i can dig it you know i mean both were were ten pole events but like nolan like held you know he was like hard and fast to Tenet being the one to kick the theater doors back open. And it, that, that just kind of went like a fart in the wind. And I man. think, yeah, if you would have held off on that movie just about six more months, maybe he could have made more of a profit in the States. In the theaters, nonetheless. I mean, like I said, I, I made a comment last week. We live in a world where... I can sit in my living room on a Wednesday afternoon with my old lady and one of my best friends and watch a 400 foot, uh, 150 ton gorilla fight a radioactive fire breathing dinosaur. And, you know, I'm okay with that. I'm, you know, I don't mind it. It cost me 15 bucks a month instead of 15 bucks of viewing. Yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy to think because. I, I was thinking about this last night. The, I watched the, it three the, times. The, the movie that the, the the box office that it had this weekend kind of rivals the last film, Godzilla's Take, and Kong for that matter. When the theaters were in full swing without a pandemic, right. Right. not to mention on top of it, people oh. can watch this at home on HBO Max, and it still brought in the money it brought in. Which I think it's 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 it shows a good sign for the future, a, a glimmer of hope for theaters. Things are not going to be as bad as analysts were predicting, which I well, thought they were yeah, I mean, the portion to begin with. 
don't don't get me wrong. I don't. I don't it's not like I, I don't ever want to go to a theater again. But I don't right, see right. what I used to. And the fact that I could I could take this one from the comfort of my own home that same day. Mm-hmm. I dug that. I mean, you know, my system ain't gangbusters by no means, but it was it was big enough and loud enough to you know get the job done and me mandy and ct we fucking loved it and i've done rip through the damn thing another one and a half times since then yeah yeah me, me and madeline watched it like 9 a.m that morning that it came out and like we, hey, you're we had a blast with it you know <laughs> just watching it from my bed it was like wow this is just insane that i'm doing yes. this it was, it was, I, I, I kind of, a part of me felt like I was doing something shady. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I had to look over my shoulder, like, am I okay? It was the this? FCC about to kick in the door because there's people lined know, up right? like while I was trying to buy a ticket right now. No, it was cool, man. Like I said, we made a day out of it. CT came over, we had some food and beers, you know, and we just, you know, we did the big old monster movie, and all three of us were hooting and hollering in my living room. One thing I will say, though, um, and it happened with both this and Justice League. I think it's just maybe it's my TV, maybe it's 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 the app, but they're um the, the audio is pressed really really low hmm. uh, for for my setup. I don't know why. Like I gotta crank my soundbar. You might have low. to you might have to look back over your your connection and check that because well, I, I, mean, I, I didn't I, notice any issues with the audio. I, mean, I got I, I got a cat six running into the, directly into the TV and an audio request cable running into the soundbar so i don't see why but it's, see, it's i don't like, know if you you got that soundbar set up but I, I don't have a soundbar so i don't know how that shit works d- yeah maybe it's got to tweak the audio but it's it's only when it's only when i do these like theatrical releases on on max where i'm i'm pressed lower than than i'm anticipating because i can switch over huh. and watch thief on the same platform and i gotta i gotta i gotta turn the volume back down maybe it has something to do with the dolby atmos because it's, 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 these it's, new movies it could be right. Have the Atmos sound. I mean, I didn't tw- I didn't tweak anything. I just I just woke up and was like, get your ass over here. It's you know, monster day. Right. I'm going to like optimize my settings, but yeah, if it's only yeah. happening for the theatrical movies, yeah. they're the only ones that are in Dolby Atmos and 4K on the on yeah. the service. So it might have something to do with that. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right. So I don't know. Um it's 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 funny you mentioned Christopher Nolan. Uh weekly recommends. What would you get for a six-year-old boy who chronically wets his bed? I'm going to go first with this one, and this is going to come as probably a shock to you and everyone else listening. Um, the other day, I went and picked up The Dark Knight in 4K and brought it back and watched it start to finish. It was my first time watching the movie from bell to bell for the first time since the theatrical experience in July of 2008. I have really? never watched first time, first time won't credit the credit, huh? I have never went back and rewatched wow. that movie start to finish since the peak. Nothing against the movie it has nothing to do with the movie. I right, love just never saw it out or had the opportunity. It's just a movie that I kind of savored and 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 never really, you know, I didn't yeah. want to keep on going back and losing that that effect. Because let me tell you something. I was fucking blown away watching this movie last week, you know. Oh, yeah. that, just like I was there, you know, back in July 2008, seeing it for the first time. I totally forgot about the whole, you know, black male subplot that happens towards the end with Bruce Wayne and the employee. I forgot all about that shit. Oh, yeah. You know, like it was just a whole, it was just like watching it for the first time. And I got to tell you, 
I know people are listening to like Dark Knight, seen that movie 20 times since it came out. Well, I've only seen it twice. And believe me, if you haven't seen it in a while, I highly recommend going back and, and revisiting that movie because holy shit, I had a blast. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny you bring that up because Mandy and I did the whole trilogy a um, couple months back when all three of them had finally hit. I guess, I think they are on, on, on Max. Max. Yeah, Max. Um, but like my whole thing was like they, they had been, you know, Dark Knight Rises was had wasn't streaming anywhere for a long time. I didn't own it, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to do the other two because I didn't want to like get in the mood and leave myself hanging. And then when they finally all loaded up, I was like, "Babe, look, the next three movies we watch, whether it be all in one sitting or what, I just I just want to you know do the you know Nolan's Gotham trilogy because mm-hmm. it's been hasn't been that long for me as long as it has been for you, but it's been at least eight years or so. Um, yeah, I haven't even seen Rises since the theater, but that's because I didn't like Rises. So I, I'm and, and that's part of the reason that. why I wanted. It's part of the reason why I wanted to go back was because I wanted to find you know because I did, I didn't dislike it as much as as others, but I wanted to find out what I did like in it. And I think mainly it's because you know I got a hetero man crush on Tom Hardy. Like I'll just watch that guy read a fucking <laughs> right. insurance seminar for Christ's sakes. Um, but yeah, we did the whole we did the whole thing, and I think we did it maybe like a. You know, not not one sitting, but I think over the course of like two nights, we did all three of them. And right. she loves she loves Batman Begins, and me too. For that's her one. favorite. And you know, everybody loves mine. Dark Knight Rises because you know Heath Ledger, posthumous Oscar, first one since Peter Finch, and you know, you mean the Dark Knight? Um, yeah, I'm sorry, Dark, Dark Knight. <laughs> um, but I don't know why. Like, I think I I guess it's just. I guess to be to be the odd man out, I favor Dark Knight Rises just because I like watching Hardy play Bane. You know, I don't know. That's okay. I, 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 yeah, I think I'm I'm being the stick in the mud. Like you guys like them, I'm gonna like this one. I don't know. I don't mind any of them. Does it kind of peter out towards the end? Yeah, but I mean, shit, you set yourself up for fucking greatness. Even the best are destined to fail. You know, mm-hmm. after you know, such a gangbusters that was, you know, the dark night. It's like, you know, how can you follow up Empire Strikes Back? Return of the Jedi was good, but shit, it ain't no Empire. You know what I mean? Yeah, the Dark Knight ends on such a low note. I oh, forgot yeah, how dark man. that ending is. Yeah. It's your it's your it's your Empire Strikes Back. It's basically like the, the beginning to like uh uh, surviving the game type movie like a manhunt like okay here's your head start and, <laughs> yeah, go. Right. and that's how the film ends like batman taking off from the cops right you know it was just right. it was great i had a blast watching it again and it's funny that i choose now to go back and revisit it it's so close to us watching heat and seeing the comparison between the two oh, us yeah. bringing it up recently yeah, it's like yeah, it's yeah. definitely getting yeah. a, a bird's eye view of watching both films in the last month together it's uh yeah, seeing the comparisons there, it's uh, pretty similar. Yeah. Um, do you got to recommend? Um, you know what I watched the other night? I haven't seen it in a long time. Shit, or demanding. Was uh, <laughs> Sam Raimi's The Gift. Oh, man. Yeah, I haven't seen that since it first came out. Yeah, Jesus. it's like 20 years old now. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Katie, Katie Holmes, Keanu Reeves. Hillary Swank. Kate Blanchett. A lot of people in that. Yeah. Rabisi, great Kinnear. You know, he does a hell of a job. Rabisi does a hell of a job. You know who wrote that film? I have no clue. Billy Bob. 
Really? Yeah, Billy Bob. I mean, Ford that makes sense. The, the simple plan connections there. I guess. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like that's that's a full on. The, the original script was Billy Bob's, and then somebody else came and did, you know did a did a pass on it because like he's co he, somebody else is credited, but but Billy Bob Thornton is credited as a writer in that film. Um, what I d- d- it, it definitely has Raimi's feel without without all the Raimi flourishes. I love how the um. The Delta 88 is basically a supporting character in this. It doesn't just get the obligatory, you know, Sam Raimi cameo being a background car. It's her car, right. the whole thing. But the whole time I kept looking for a Bruce Campbell cameo that never happened. Um, but you know, all in all, it's good. A twisty little thriller. You, like, you kind of you hate to dislike Keanu Reeves, but I'll be damned if he's not a despicable character. And you, you see, he's kind of a red herring, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of red herrings in that movie. Um, and <laughs> like the, the uh, Rabisi should have been there. The scene, like his penultimate scene, right before he gets locked up when he accosts his his dad, like he's just having this breakdown where you're like, why didn't this kid? Why hasn't this kid ever been nominated? So, uh, yeah, Sam Raimi's The Gift, man. Went back, first time I seen it. I, 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 I know I have it on DVD somewhere. I don't know where the hell it came from the last time I looked at it. Probably been 12 or 15 years. But we were looking for something different. I'm like, babe, why don't we check this out? And she likes, you know, throwing yeah. the donuts. And even she was guessing towards the end. She like, she's like, ah, I got it. It's this one. And she's fucking wrong. Um, so, yeah, no, the... the the gift was cool, and you can see Raimi kind of like coming. It's weird. It's like he's coming out of his, you know, Raimi stuff into more studio friendly fare to get the to, to get the the bigger contracts and bigger paychecks. He doesn't mm-hmm. do his his typical flourishes, but his touches are still there. And you definitely get, you know, the classic. You get the yellow. Oldsmobile Delta 88 is front <laughs> and center. Unfortunately, no Bruce Campbell cameo, but you know, take what you can get. So yeah, the gift was mine. Well, I think the answer to your question about uh Rabisi on that is uh the reason that he didn't get the love that he, he I guess deserves is because I think a strong case can be made uh, for his career not being taken seriously at that time because he was coming off of the Mod Squad remake. Yeah, as well as gone in sixty seconds. With, yeah, he uh, was he, he. But this one shows his talent, especially yeah, in that yeah. Scene. I'm, I'm not you, taking from that. It's if, just that if, I think if, the general public just didn't take him seriously because right, he kind of right. wasn't and, taking himself yeah, seriously. And you know, towards the later of his career, like I really like that sneaky Pete show he had on a, on, on on Prime. That shit got got canceled. I never watched that one. That was the one with uh, cool. him and Cranston was started, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cranston's in, in the first season. Um, Cranston's in the first season. It, it, it's got three seasons and it, and it got canceled before they got to wrap the whole thing. Oh, but it's I still worth a look. That many seasons? Okay. Uh, yeah, two or three, two or three. I'm pretty sure three. Um, it's it's decent. You know, it's good. Um, but yeah, the, then, the, like like I said, if you watch him in this movie, kind of reminds you of the role that he plays in uh what was it the other sister the one where him and Julia oh yeah him and like, Julia like Moore. Or not Julia Moore uh, Juliet Julia Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. but yeah that this there's there's a scene like like I said his penultimate scene in the film you know right around the end of act two beginning of act three where he's just having this meltdown and you're like man why didn't this kid get recognized um so yeah if you guys haven't seen it check out the gift um i think i streamed it on prime or stars or something seek it out even if you got to rent it man it's worth three to five dollars and uh 
2001 Keanu Reeves. Whew, rough time. This and uh, The Watcher. Was well, he got conned into The Watcher. We all know that story, man. His his <laughs> buddy like forged his signature and he was forced to do the flick. You know yeah. that, right? I, I've heard the story. I, yeah, he was forced while, to though. do that because those are the only two where he played like an actual... I don't want to say villain or bad, but he's definitely an antagonist. In both it movies. is a god awful movie. I've never bothered with it. I rented it when it first came out. I remember you seeing would. it the one time. Hey, at least I didn't pay twenty or ten bucks to see it in the theater. That <laughs> like money did, went to Tom. Like Cats. you did for Tomcats. That money went. That harder money went to Tomcats. <laughs> All right, let's get into this movie. With today being the appropriate day, I couldn't think of a better way to celebrate April eighth. Than to bring Rex Manning Day to the Film Effect Podcast. Yeah, it's a special. It's a special episode of the Film Effect Podcast released on Rex Manning Day, which is not a typical. It's what it's a Thursday. It's not a typical release day for us, right? Well, you know, we did. We uh, we called him on his car phone with that Genesis wah and said we need a little of his ooh la la. We're coming in hot with this one, fellas. Say no more, Monomore. This is Empire Records. Just let me introduce you to everybody. This is uh, Gina, Roy, Lucas, AJ. The staff of Empire Records had the coolest jobs on earth. Do you think the story is already written? Or do you think a bold and courageous act can change the course of history? Something happened to me last night in Atlantic City. Did you win anything? No, I did not. But Lucas blew it. Everyone knew it. You want to buy Empire? Well, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> the money is gone. Where's it going to? I think it's recirculating. We're turning this into a music town? I have to pay for what Mr. Brilliant here did. I'm the idiot, you're the screw-up, and we are all losers. Now, five friends have one day to decide what to do with the rest of their lives. AJ loves Corey, not the whole story. Today is the day that I'm going to tell Corey how I feel about her. That I, uh... Love her. Yeah. Do you think that it's possible for someone to be in love with someone else and not even know it? In this life, there are nothing but possibilities. That is so sweet. I think I'm gonna barf. Corey wants Rex first time at sex. Hey, Rex, what happened to your hair? I will offer myself to Rex Manning. Ah! I wish I could be brave. You are brave. I have to bring Rex's lunch. I'm bringing Rex's lunch! Mark's raging mad. Best day he's had. If I was in a band, they would not be doing this to me. Deb shaved her head and made out she was dead. I tried to kill myself with a lady bit. Just your typical nutty teenager. You did have hair, right? I was tired of being invisible. Gina did it again, this time to a friend. You get smarter the shorter your skirt gets. I want to sing in a band, but I don't have the guts. So is this how your life's going to be now? You're just going to screw every husband? I'm starting! Oh. No more? Check out the store. Empire Records open till midnight. This is Mark. Midnight! Empire Records. Featuring the music of Better Than Ezra, Gin Blossoms, Ape Hangers, Evan Dando, Toad the Wet Sprocket, and the Cranberries. What is wrong with you people? Rock and roll. Uh, so let's jump into first time viewings. It's just that, you see, this is actually uh, my, my first time. No, no, my first, it's my first time uh, since my first time. So technically that's my second time. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to 
suck at it. So if I'm and not up to, I'm gonna let you go first because my first time viewing kind of cuts into story time. They kind of play in hand to hand together. So, what was your? Do you, well, do you remember your first time seeing this movie? I, I I I can't say I do. You know why? Um, I mean, it wasn't. I was just a little bit above its demographic at the time. Yeah, I was curious as to what your answer would be for this one and how you this know what I mean? played like, out. I didn't, I didn't seek it out, and I mean the the. The soundtrack was all over the place, but those songs I was hearing, you know, the, all summer long. Anyway, well, I actually, I have, I actually have a special category for this episode to talk about the music. So hold off if you can. Yeah, I'm just well, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, I, I didn't, I didn't seek it out. So it was probably a video rental for me. The first time I can, you know, I was probably hanging out with a with a bunch of friends getting stoned, and we threw Empire Records on because it was kind of like Days of Confused. The main right. reason I was in, in fact, I was thinking about, you know, when you were going to ask me this anyway. The main thing that had me intrigued was coming off of Days of Confused. For whatever reason, I was, you know, I was just Rory Cochran, like kind of, you know, knocked my socks off. Like I really like. Like Slater was just cool as shit to me. Just I, I just dug his character in Days Confused when I saw him in this. I'm like, I want to see right. what this dude does next. So he was my draw to it. You know, outside of I mean, you couldn't escape these. This is these are all your indie darlings. Live, live Tyler, Renee Zellweger. You know, all every, baby faces. It's yeah, they they were, but they they were all they they were your it kids. Back oh yeah, then. what was this? Definitely. What was this? Ninety nine, two thousand, right? No, this is ninety five. Ninety five, shit. Yeah, oh, so yeah, I was yeah. what? I was twenty one, twenty two years old. Yeah, so um, yeah, the uh, uh, the abundance of cranberries music didn't give it away. <laughs> like I said, dude, I could. Th- that was the, the, the that was a song of my uh, of those were the songs of my youth. That's what I heard growing up in high school. So it all blends together. Did I hear it first in Empire Records or cruising out of Patapsco High School on a Friday afternoon, ditching class to go, you know, get stoned and score some McDonald's? I couldn't tell you. Um, it was kind of a blur. But that's like I said. It was, I, I'm I'm fairly certain my first time. I, mean, I definitely didn't go see it in a theater. If I did, I. I don't remember. I doubt I did. So it's probably just hanging out with some. No with some one saw this like, in the theater. I just I don't think so. It's yeah. like Days of Confused was out that day, so we rented Empire Records because it was the next best thing. And then right. we went home, rolled up a couple tubes, and you know watched the flick and jammed out. So that's my first viewing. I can't remember much else. All right. Um, so yeah, like I said, my my first time viewing ties into my story time for this one. Tell me a story. Like my story? No, not your story. A story. Since you can't keep your mouth shut long enough for me to read my paper, tell me a story. I don't think I know any stories. You don't know any stories? No. All right, I'll tell you a story. This is a newspaper, right? It's 90% bullshit. But it's entertaining. That's why I read it, because it entertains me. You won't let me read it. So you entertain me with your bullshit. Tell me a story right now. Go. So... I, I was kind of late to this one. I didn't see this film until about 2003-ish. And reason being is because uh, my ex-girlfriend at the time, uh, she had bought this when it came out. So I remember back in the 2003, uh, Warner Brothers finally put this out on DVD with like this special fan remix edition with like a yeah, different blue case. I was going to say, you had, you had an, I remember having your, like, uh, you laying your extended cut on me and it had some extra footage to it. 
that was new, in, but not all that shit was all new to me. I didn't know the difference between. Oh, this you didn't know and the that. difference because I'd never right. seen it. You know, right. and when it came right. out, this is my first time being introduced to it. Was this new cut with like seventeen minutes of new footage and shit? Right. Which now, having seen, because watching it for this episode, I actually rented it, and for some reason, they don't have that cut. You can only buy it. So, renting it. Um, I for the first time actually I I watched the theatrical so I can actually tell what they took out and shit by like it it was an easy spot for me because I've seen this movie so many times and that's why my story time is it's funny because no real particular reason um, in late 04 early 05 I was just I, I suddenly became obsessed with this movie I don't know why um it, this movie pretty much never left the DVD player, and it was one of those things where I would just press play and go about my day and come in and out of the room throughout the day, and it would be on random spots because the DVD would just replay itself after it was over. So even like sleeping and going out, like for some reason, I just had this habit of rocking this movie. I'd go to bed playing this wake up at like 4 a.m to a random scene that i'm fucking quoting because i've seen it so many times in my sleep and um yeah there's not really a big punchline to this story it, it's just it, it's just a story time you know something that i think about when i think about this movie is that weird mild obsession that i had for like seven to eight months from 04 to 05 and um because of that I'd seen this movie so many goddamn times that if you saw me between those two years, I probably could recite this movie from start to finish without any help. Uh, well, was, dude, uh, I can, I can, I can relate to you on that because I went through the same phase with with Days Confused. Yeah, excuse and me, when that first released on on on, on home video, to the point where I actually had a VHS. Girlfriend at the time had bought me for Valentine's Day because I wanted to so much debt with late fees and like Hollywood video and shit. They'd call me up like, "Oh, you said I'm like, yeah, no, I got it. I'm not paying it off. I'm just not done showing it to my friends, you know." And then somebody finally bought me a copy on video cassette back when you know home movies just cost a hundred bucks. I'm sure you remember those days. Um, oh yeah. So yeah, I kind of it wasn't this film, but it was. Let's face it, they're they're I don't want to say two peas in a pod, but the, you know they're they're distant cousins. Those two movies, you know, they're little capsules of a time. And to what what that time would have been for me, this time would have been for you. So I can I can relate to that. Does that make sense? You pick it up on a button? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I'm kind of glad that you can, you know, relate. And I'm not just spitting out this random stupid story, but yeah, yeah, it's relatable. It's a relatable thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's a hangout movie, man. You just throw it on like wallpaper. It is, exactly. That's the best way to put it. Um, so let's talk about it. Here we go. All right. So the film kicks off to the honeymoon is over by the cruel sea. As we watch empire records employee Lucas played by Rory Rory Cochran. Can we, can we speak to the, the, first of all, this is the most maltastic soundtrack since fast times at Ridgemont high. If I do say so my damn self. Yeah, there's there's definitely, it, it, it is, it, it, it does for music for the 90s what Daisy Views did for music in the 70s. Yeah, it's it's very maltastic and what Fast Times right, did right. in the 80s, you know what I mean? Like, it, the, it, the it's, its, own, it's its own Muzak player for the most yeah. part. 
you know, so much that there's just like Goodfellas. There's no music. There's no person in charge of music. It's just pretty much. It's just a license. There's no composer. This movie that has no composer, just like Goodfellas. It's just all licensed music throughout the whole picture. Um, So yeah, Lucas is closing up the store for his very first time. He's in the back being weird, contemplating something, wearing sunglasses when Gina, played by Renee Zellweger, yeah, Renee Zellweger. Or as I like um, to call her, Zellywags. That's how I'll be referring <laughs> to her for the rest of the show, is Zellywags. Zellywags comes in looking for the owner, Joe. Lucas tells her that he's been given the keys to the store and that Wait, specifically. But my, my life has reached its pinnacle. Yes. Yeah, I've been asked to close. What did he say? I gotta count the money twice, cut, keep my hands the off the beer, cigars, and the drumsticks. Exactly. Cut to Lucas with a cigar dangling from his mouth, playing <laughs> drums over the money. And there's beers on the desk. Using Joe's empty beer bottles as the symbols. While counting the money for the night, Lucas discovers plans to turn Empire Records into a music town, which is a fictitious corporate company. It's that's basically Tower Records. Yeah, exactly. Um, Lucas Which is, is fictitious nowadays, but in 95, Tower Records was your big corporate thing. They, like did, the they did away with the mom and pop shops. This is like the wall, basically, music yeah. town. Uh, so Lucas takes the money, which is about $9,000 roughly. Yeah, he quotes the doors like the time to hesitate is through. And he takes it to a nearby casino in Atlantic City. Because this is a, it's not really established outright, but it takes place in Delaware, this this story. And yeah, yeah. But you can see, like, those are some exhilarating shots of Atlantic City, if I'm oh, not uh, like, He's cruising in with his moped and his goggles on. There's some pretty exhilarating shots of flybys with Lucas on his moped cruising through Atlantic City. Um, since this was shot in North Carolina, do you think they were pickup shots or stock footage? Um... Maybe they got like maybe they got uh, license. I don't know. It's it's hard to say because you got you get at least a couple of profiles on 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 that on that moped. But can we can can I distinguish that he's actually in Atlantic City, New Jersey? Christ, I haven't been there in thirty years, so I couldn't say I haven't been to Carolina in thirty years either. So you know who knows, man? I I, I don't know. Do you know? No, I have no clue. Honestly, I don't. I, I know they shot this in Wilmington, North Carolina. That's all. But it, it takes place in Delaware, though. That's what you're yes. saying. It takes place. Okay. Yeah. I never need to establish that. I was going to say it's almost like outside of the Atlantic City connection. I was, it would say just you know random East Coast could have been Philly. It could have been Baltimore for all. Yeah. So it's it's it's, it's an unnamed uh, Delaware town. So I think they say I think it's it's established in throwaway dialogue that Lucas drove like twenty to thirty minutes. To Atlantic City or something. I don't. Either way, sense. it's it's it, either either way, it's in Delaware. So uh, yeah, right. Lucas pulls up to the casino with. Uh, he walks in like a roller too, man. He comes confidence. He's he's yeah, Rory Cochran struts in like a fucking baller with them goggles, that blackjack, and the turtleneck and shit. So at first, he pulls the lever for a woman at the slot machine, which might I might I add, it still grounds for an ass kicking in real life. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then he correctly calls out the number 22 while walking past the roulette table. Again, I think that's grounds for an ass kicking in real life, <laughs> suggesting that he's full of luck, which, okay, maybe. But you really think that luck's going to just continue? No. Not when he you takes, get that, especially when he's going to play craps. Yeah, he takes, he, he takes $9,104. I got counted twice. Because Joe I told him twice. 9104 So... 
he wins. He wins 18 grand and then he lets it ride. The first rule. And yeah. He lets it ride. Ladies and gentlemen, we have down. We have a high roller. 9,104. I counted it twice. I like your style. Well, Joe told me to count it twice. No more bets, please, ladies and gentlemen. Bets down. Bets down. So do I just throw it and get a seven? That would be very good, sir. Feeling lucky? I'm guided by a force much greater than luck. Seven! A winner! Baby, you are sex. I know. Same lucky shooter. Get your bets down, please, ladies and gentlemen. Hot shooter on the line. You know what? Let it ride. Oh. A dice coming out. That's an $18,000 bet. You sure you know what you're doing, kid? I know this, that if I win this role, I will save the place that I work from being sold and the jobs of my friends that work there, thus striking a blow at all that is evil and making this world a better place to live in. Huh? What? And I'll buy you guys a drink. Hey! No more bets, please, ladies and gentlemen. Get your bets down. Joe, this one's for you. You know something? You used to be cute. The woman that comes up to him, did I mishear her? Did she say that she thinks Lucas is sex? Uh, no. She says to Lucas, you're sex. Is that what she says? You're sex? I think she said you're so sexy. I don't know. I I really didn't pay attention to that part. I wasn't. And I like like the guy. You know, she says, you know something? You used to be cute. This guy was like, you used to have $9,000. He said, you used to have $9,000 too. (laughs) So, uh, following morning, cut to AJ and Mark, <laughs> played by Johnny Whitworth and Ethan Embry. Although he's credited in this is Ethan Randall. More on that later. Uh, they pull up. They wake Lucas up. He's asleep on his bike outside beside the store. Lucas is sort of, sort of speaking in tongues, cryptic, not making much of sense to anyone but himself. He ends up leaving, but first saying, I do not regret the things I've done, but those I did not do. Yeah, and then uh, he rides off. Yeah, and this is when AJ comes to the conclusion that Lucas gambled all the money after Lucas told them that he went to AC, but also knows that Lucas doesn't have that kind of gambling money. This is when Joe arrives, already frustrated because it's Rex Manning Day. He unlocks the door, three go inside with Mark and AJ singing Say No More to Joe. Is that uh, is is this to see where they start playing that cover of Hey Joe? No, not yet, not yet. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, um, Joe gets a call from the bank. Uh, at the same time, his boss Mitch calls in, both informing him that the deposit never made it to the bank. AJ is in the back practicing how to play dumb for Joe as Joe checks the safe to reveal that what he already suspected that the money's gone. He comes out of his office as AJ tries to act concerned, asking what's going on, Joe, but Joe's clearly not having it. Um, this is when Gina, uh, again, Renee Zellweger, picks up Corey, played by the cheerful Liv Tyler, picks her up for work. Corey's excited because it's Rex Manning Day. She's got a huge crush on him and reveals that she's prepared to offer her virginity to him for that day. Um, back at the office, Joe's still searching high and low for the deposit. Uh, AJ asks him for love advice. She tells AJ he's been divorced twice in his last. Yeah, he goes, he goes, my wife left me for another woman. My girlfriend forced me to leave at gunpoint. Yeah, 
Does, does that qualify me? <laughs> yeah, I think it does. <laughs> Tells Jerry's prepared to tell Corey how he feels about her today and that he loves her. And then he asks how we should do it. Joe simply says, you say no, I you love, love you. Yeah, you say I love you. <laughs> you say I love you. <laughs> He's like, what do you want? Written instructions? Um... After everything, AJ tells Joe that he's telling Corey how he feels by exactly 137. Yep. And Joe 137 says, well, exactly. And Joe says, well, good luck. And then we got uh, Gina and Corey arriving to work. Um, they're both pulled away from the store by uh, AJ when Joe continues making useless phone call attempts to Lucas. And then Gina and Corey enter the store. More on this plot hole later, because you see them. I don't know if you picked up on this. They get Gina and Corey get to the record store, and before they right. go inside, AJ says, "Come here, I got to show you something." It pulls them away. Right. But then the next scene, Gina and Corey are going inside like that never happened, or there's a scene missing, obviously, and there's a reason for that. I think I don't know for sure, but I think that has something to do with the um. There's more to this movie that we never got. Um, well, yeah, originally, like the original cut had it was like had an extra forty minutes to it. Well, and I, it was spread out over two gonna, days. That's my. We have, we have, yeah, we're going to talk about that. I have, we're going to talk about that towards the end. All right. Um, you know better than me. I do. <laughs> Use the shit like at least this. On, at least on this one. I know. So they go in and they, they, they pick from M&M's to see uh, which one's going to play the music to, to open the store with. Uh, Mark wins and puts on Queen Sarah Saturday's seams while we get a montage of them cleaning and tidying the store up before AJ suddenly cuts the song short by replacing it with one of his little love mixtapes. Remember those? Yeah, you well, you know, you know what my notes say right here: Live and Zelly Wigs in their skirts. Man, that was a little sexy, little '90s Catholic school skirts he was wearing back then. Man, those were the thing back in the mid '90s. Oh, I love the know, they were just about later on when she wears her little uh, music town apron. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a note for Zelly Wigs in the apron sh- too. I- I'm sure you do. Uh, <laughs> I have a note here. So AJ takes out the the CD that Mark was playing, and then he burns it. What the fuck is that about? I've never oh, I noticed that he burns it. Was he set on? He takes a, was... he takes his lighter and burns the CD. Oh, I didn't so notice. I, that. I guess the Mark can't put it back. I don't. I guess maybe I didn't notice kind of that. A, I just watched way, it last dick move. The dick move. Um. Joe asks Corey what she's doing there so early, and she says she's doing calculus. He reminds her that she's not on until the afternoon. She reminds him that it's Rex Manning Day, and that they were, uh, and then we're treated to the music video, Say No More, Money More. Uh, no Lucas, more, money more. more. I got a panda love at your front door. You wouldn't know the words. <laughs> Lucas suddenly arrives and is immediately confronted by Joe. Uh-oh. Mark. Lucas. Lucas. Joe. Where's the money? Joe, the money is gone. Yeah, I know it's gone. Where's it going to? Atlantic City. Atlantic City? Yeah. Is it coming back from Atlantic City? <laughs> uh, I don't think so, Joe. What's it doing in Atlantic City? Recirculating. 
pissed off, Joe? Lucas. Joe. Lucas. Joe. Lucas, listen to me. I told Mitchell Beck that you forgot to deposit the money. I told Mitchell that the money was still here. Joe, that's not true. It's in Atlantic City. I swear. Shut up. Shut up. Sit down and don't you move. It could be in other cities by now. Oh, shut up! It's... Under no circumstance do I want you to leave that couch. Unless it's to get me $9,000. He forces him to sit on the couch and remain there. Unless it's to get his $9,000 back. <laughs> Where's the money? Because the money's going to Atlantic City. Is it What's coming it doing back? in Atlantic City? No, is, is, is it coming back from Atlantic City? I don't oh, think Joe, so, Joe. I don't think so, What's Joe. What's it doing in Atlantic City? Recirculating. Recirculating. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Lucas tells him that he's got a feeling everything's going to be okay. And when Joe asks what makes him think that, he says, who knows where, th where thoughts come from? They just appear. Again, being cryptic with his wording. Uh, then we see Corey getting a carnation with a note delivered to her from her father, who she thinks is patronizing her. Gina's in this scene as well. And the first thing I notice here is the Days the Confused Have a Nice Days sticker. Yeah, I was going to say, did you pick that up on the register? Yeah, it's got all Days the Day they have a I used to have a bunch of those stickers when that film came out in 93. When I was when I was still living in Dundalk on Charles Mount Road, I had a bunch of them stuck over my room when I had the club basement down there. And I feel like people forget that Renee Zoe is actually you the in. Huh? What'd you say? I, I said I got a feeling that people forget that Renee Zellweger was also in Days to Confuse. No speaking dialogue, but she's in the movie. She she drops like a quick line during the hazing scene in the first act when they, when they're like you know dousing the girls with like she does have dialogue then. Yeah, yeah, she's only got like a line or two during the hazing scene in the beginning, but yeah, she does drop like at least one line of dialogue in the film. I will tell you that. Gotcha. Um, and then we got, and then we're introduced to Robin Tony's Deborah arriving angrily and beeline straight to the back bathroom. Uh, Joe comes out and asks Lucas if he's in trouble and that if he's, you know, if he needs the money, he can come to him. Lucas continues to act perplexed as he answers that everyone's in trouble. This is when Lucas tells AJ that he needs a closer for that night, so AJ agrees, saying that he could use the money. And then we cut back to Deborah in the bathroom, cutting off all of her hair to the Cranberries How, first of a couple Cranberry songs in this. Uh, she comes out of the bathroom to a confused look on both Lucas and AJ's faces. We see her punching in for a shift before going out to the sales floor. And this is a running gag that starts here. She asked, she first asked Lucas if it's true that he committed the perfect crime. Yeah, and like she knows already. Entirely. And like everybody already knows what Lucas did, and they haven't even punched in yet. Yeah, because she does it, and then Burko does it, and then there's someone else. Uh, no, it's Eddie. Eddie is the other one, I believe. Um, and something else I noticed too last night watching it when they all you know, throughout the film, come to him asking about the rumors being true. The more people that come to him, the closer and closer the rumor is to being a reality. Because by the time, I think the last person to ask him is Burko. And by that point, Burko is like, I heard you went to Atlantic City. Instead of saying Vegas is now Atlantic City. Right. Took $9,000 and now you got a bounty out for you. So right. it's like, 
because the first thing you hear is Vegas and he hit, hooked up with some hitman's wife and that's got a running gag. It, it, it fluctuates throughout, but um, it gets closer and closer to what actually happened the later the film goes on. I don't know, just minor thing I noticed last night watching it. Right. Um, let's see here. AJ notices that her wrist is bandaged up and turns the film into an after-school anti-suicide special. <laughs> with dialogue spoken between the two here, just kind of cringe, not going to lie. Uh, you know what? You, you know my notes. You know what my notes say right here. So, uh, teen angst much? Yeah, the, it's the, like the, it's like they just got to get a little bit of teen angst on the screen for '90s independent cinema. Like we got to spit that out there for the for the bubble numbers. And well, the, teen the, the, the Debbie character's heavy enough. This jet. This yeah, like why does she wait till she gets her work to cut off her hair? It just adds a whole another layer to the onion with with this shit. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. Well, um, like you said, plot's gonna plot. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's <laughs> gonna happen. Ball's gotta roll. She goes to work when Lucas tells AJ that she's in love with. She's in the store working and will be okay. Yeah. She goes to work and Lucas tells AJ that she's in the store working and she'll be okay. Right. AJ then questions Lucas's whole Mister Miyagi demeanor. He calls him the Chinese guy from the Karate Kid. He's like, "What's with all the philosophy? What's with this? What's with today today?" Today, what's with today today? Exactly. What's with you today? Uh, what's with today today? Uh, yeah, so yeah, what is with today? Deborah coming to her shift and picking a fight with both uh, Gina and Corey with the whole Sinead or Rebellion, shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior line being thrown out there. Was Sinead or Rebellion? Shock me, shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. That is so clever. I swear to God, you get smarter the shorter your skirt gets. And you get smarter the shorter your hair gets. So it's probably a good thing you went with that. Yeah. Um, wonderful look. And then we get a random throwaway scene of Mark just moshing to the suicidal tendencies. I shot the devil. Um, the first of it's just kind of rivaling blow with the montage. It's a really uh, is, yeah. Man. There's a lot of it's your obligatory '90s montage, man. Like you were, you, you know, you got an extra three million bucks in the contract, and you put four of them in there. Welcome to the Film Effect Podcast. Where this week we're celebrating all things montages <laughs> <laughs> between Blow and this movie. Jesus fucking Christ! Montage the movie. That's right. Um. Christ, I lost my place. Uh, no, we got Lucas asking Joe uh, if he used the bathroom. Uh, Joe's reporting the robbery is put on hold. And then we're introduced to Eddie, who surprises Mark with a mixtape and brownies that he's used that he tells him to put together. And uh, hey, let me let, let, let me ask a question. I didn't I, I didn't bother I didn't bother looking it up. Who okay. is the dude that plays Eddie? Where have I seen him before? Is it just from this movie? Uh, the character of Eddie is. I like. Is, am, am, I act- only rec- am I only recognizing him from this? Because I feel like I've seen him in other like '90s stoner movies before. His name is James, His name is uh James Kimo Wills, okay. and he had an uncredited appearance in Dazed and Confused. Really, that's where I've seen him from. Okay, and that's it, right? This yeah, that. that's yeah, that's. So I'm it. primarily remembering from Empire Records when I see him. I'm like, oh, that dude. But I'm only seeing him in this, and I'm that dude in him from this. Okay, that's all right. I didn't bother looking him up. I figured I'd ask you today. 
Yeah, not bad. Not, nothing wrong with that. Um, okay, so Mark and Eddie go to the back, and Eddie asks Mark about a rumor that he heard regarding him going to Vegas, marrying the mobster's wife. She's got a hit on him. Gina plays a tribute song in the form of money. That's what I want from the Flying Lizards. Dedicated oh, to I Jones. thought that was Chibomato. Is that the Flying Lizards? Yeah. It's not uh, Chibomato at all. I, I like Renee's. I love Renee's little voiceover during the song, talking about Joe's money. Like, Joe's money. Lots of money. Uh, then Joe, yeah, it's because she, she dedicated it to Lucas, didn't she? I want money. That's yeah, she dedicated exactly, and it's and then she's singing over the um PA saying, you know, when it's like money, she goes, Joe's money, lots of money. What's what's the name of the band? I swear I thought it was Chibamato, the Flying Lizards, Flying Lizards. Okay, I mean, I guess I don't know, Asian girl pop cover band from the 90s, everything comes back to Chibamato. All right, here's what it is. Uh, so yeah, this is when Joe reaches his breaking point. And uh, he reveals to everyone that Music Town is uh, it, the rumors are true. He hands out contracts and shirts and explains that he was going to buy his partner Mitchell out, but now he can't because of Lucas and his bright idea of stealing the money. And this where Lucas goes like, "Damn the man!" Yes, damn the man. He's like, "Mitchell's the man. I'm the idiot. You're the screw up, and you're all losers." Yep. <laughs> I love Joe's bluntness. <laughs> Anthony LaPaglia, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. And then we get Mark saying, we mustn't dwell. Not today. We can't. Not on Rex Manning Day. Yeah, he talks directly to the camera. Ethan Embry's a squirrely little kid in this movie, man. He is something else in this fucking movie. He is movie. a fucking... Mark Jesus. is a squirrely little kid, man. Uh, never said. Then we hear uh, the video kill the radio star by the Bugles as everyone sets up. No, it's the, the Buggles, not the Bugles. It's the Buggles, dude. Get it I, right. I've called them the Bugles my entire life. Are, are you, you kidding me? You've been calling are them you, the Bugles? Are you kidding me? Dude, I was I've there on day one when MTV debuted. Years. I was there on day one when MTV first like ever like popped on. I watched it and saw that for the very You're first old. time. I get With, it. I know I'm old, but I've at least been pronouncing the fucking band name correctly. There's two G's in there. It's not the Bugles, it's the Buggles. Video killed the radio star by the okay. Buggles. The, the song <laughs> sucks anyway. Whatever. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but, but being honest, the song blows. Yeah, it does. Sorry, the Buggles, the Bugles, it still suckles. <laughs> So, yeah, everyone's setting up the store for the arrival of Rex Manning to the Buggles. There it is. And then we're uh, introduced to Warren. He's seen stealing CDs in his coat with Lucas asking the distracted Joe if he can leave because his ass is numb. He takes the yeah, cushion. Like he's like him. slowly getting off the couch and then just he just finds it by taking the cushion he with takes him. Takes the fucking cushion with him. I love that. <laughs> like he's fully left the couch. He's still got the cushion. I mean, technically, he's good. Um, right. And while he's. Talking to Mark, he goes out and talks to uh, Mark about him starting a band. Mark so why does, why does why does Lucas change his shoes? He doesn't change them. Hang on. So, yeah, he removes them. See, I thought, I thought that too. Changed. I was like, I was like, is he changing his shoes to like put on more comfortable ones to run or? No, because that would make no sense. Because where would he get the second pair of shoes from? Because he randomly sits down to. He's either taking his shoes. Uh, at first, I thought he was adjusting his shoes, but then he clearly is taking a pair off. 
And I said, okay, he's removing his shoes so he can have more traction on his feet to chase. He knows Warren's going to run. So I think that's what happens here is Lucas takes off his shoes rather than, you know, chase the kid around and I guess what he's wearing are nice shoes. I mean, they're pretty, okay. nice, they're pretty nice. All right. Nice it's, in order, it's in order to chase Warren. All right. All right. Enough said. I'm just... I mean, regardless, that's why. Because he, he sees... He notices Warren from the back room. Right. And that's why he comes out there. Because he's talking to Mark as a distraction. And while he's talking to Mark about the new band, because Mark's telling him about how he wants to start a band, you know, Mark with a K. I want to start... I want, to, I want it to be called Mark with a C. And... um. Meanwhile, Lucas is down on the ground taking his shoes off because shit's about to go down. And that's exactly what happens. Warren, he, he, he talks to Warren for a little bit. Warren's freaked out because he's asking Warren, like, um, uh, what the fuck's he at? He's, he's, he's asking him about music and shit like that, if he needs any help and if he likes music. And then he says, he whispers to him, the fat man walks alone. And then that's what freaks Warren out. And then he's seen running out of the store. And then he's being chased back into the store by Lucas. Yeah, which and is at one point Gina turns like, isn't it customary to leave the scene of the crime? Yeah. And then Gina fucking starts doing commentary on the over the PA for the customers waiting in line while this is all going on. And you can hear it out on the street too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> and then he's eventually caught because Warren's just not Warren, uh Lucas is just uh Chilling in the car, and he opens up the door. Can we can we talk real quick about Ethan Embry's fucking shoplifter squeal? My God, that made my ears. <laughs> I had my headphones on. I had to throw them off my head when he just looked at the camera and squealed shoplifter. Like I watched that kid hit puberty in that moment. The way his voice fucking cracked, dude. I mean, I, I remember him. I mean, we might as well bring him up. Talk about him now. I remember Ethan Embry from Dutch. That was my introduction to him. Yeah, and it's an Ed O'Neill movie, right? Yes, that was, the one like that was his first big thing with children. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and that was back because when he was a young, when he was an actual child, child star, he was going by Ethan Randall. Yeah, okay. And then because he had that, he had some Christmas movie. I think it was like I'll Be Here for Christmas or something like that. It's yeah, a throwaway yeah. kids film. Yeah. And then. If I'm not mistaken, this was his last credit as Randall because after this, a year after this was that thing you do. And I know that movie because, well, number one, I just covered it recently. Number two, I love it. Um, He's credited as Ethan Embry in that movie. And that was a year after this. So this might have been his last performance credited as Ethan Randall because he's deaf. Because that's the first thing I noticed in the credits is his name comes up, Ethan Randall. I'm like, oh, he's going by that name still back then. Right. And uh yeah, very young. Um, I wanna say he was like <sighs> filming this, I wanna say he was fifteen, sixteen years old. Yeah. And maybe puberty's the reason. I mean, I think I've always just... thought that, that scream was intentional anyway, but still it's pretty out there. Yeah. But you're right. It's not not a bad thing to bring. Make sure your ears bleed. Yeah. Well you got Headphones on, so yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I, I only have one good ear, it made it bleed too. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, so then we get to, we're treated to the arrival of Rex Manning. Yeah, first thing he does is complains about his short haircut and the uh, and the appearance of the uh, the store to his assistant Jane, played by Debbie Mazar. 
who we just talked about two weeks ago when here when we talked about Goodfellas. Debbie Mazar, welcome back to the program. And she looks like shit with short red hair, let me tell you. Yeah, not a fan of It's a god-awful look for that one. Not a fan of God only different. I mean, thank God she still got those eyes, but yeah, as far as the hair goes. She looks awful with that hair. So, uh, with Warren apprehended, we see Joe calling the police while Warren tries acting tough when asked questions. He tells him that his name's Warren Beatty before Gina suddenly comes out of the bathroom wearing nothing but her new music town apron. Yeah, Zelly Wigs in the apron, boy. Mm-mm-mm. Starts dancing around the room, the quicksand storming in my side. And I have a note here at this part. This soundtrack slaps. Until Rex and Jane arrive, me, Joe, you, Jane. That was what I had in my notes. That's what Warren says when they come yeah. in and introduce themselves. Because, um, yeah, those are like a, you know, fucking quicksands in this goddamn movie. And that's like unheard of. I mean, obviously, the, the, the song didn't make it to the soundtrack, but it's pretty cool that shit like this is in the movie. Um, Joe introduces Rex to everyone. Lucas asks about his hair. But then he says he likes it. Surprising Rex. Uh, then we see Warren getting his photos taken for the police. Uh, Rex comes out for everyone, but doesn't like the chair that he's given. He refuses to sit until Joe eventually replaces it. And uh, his first fan says that he was our favorite singer in high school. And he was like, well, who's your favorite singer now? <laughs> he's nervously said, he oh, says, who's your favorite singer now? <laughs> Still you. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, he's an egotistical prick, man. I know he is. Jesus Christ. Uh, Lucas and Warren were in the back. Can we, uh, have we, mentioned who, we, we haven't even mentioned who plays Rex Manning. Well, no, because I was going to, you know, the whole cast at the end. But no, we can do it now. Fuck it. Um, yes. It's uh, fucking, it's, it's Maxwell Caulfield from, from Greece, too. From Greece, he's the cool exactly. ride. From Greece, too. I'm sure you've got a hell of a lot more Maxwell Caulfield stories than I do. I do. I do. I've seen more Maxwell Caulfield movies than you. I, I, I've seen three. This, three, <laughs> two, and um, a Waxwork 2. <laughs> Are you a big Waxwork 2 fan? Uh, I wasn't a big Waxwork 1 fan. So naturally, yeah, not a lot of people are. <laughs> there was a Zach Gallagher one, there. Yes, but you no. can't watch Waxwork 2 without Waxwork 1 because they're right, like so. the same movie. But yeah, Maxwell Caulfield is in one of the stories because Max because Waxwork too is like a weird, not the yeah, it's a weird fucking movie and it involves yeah. different stories just like the first one does. It's, it's like an and Maxwell Caulfield's character is part of this like the sci-fi horror portion. Oh yeah, I do remember coming across that stone one night on HBO. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. So. But yeah, Maxwell Caulfield plays Rex Manning here. Um, yeah. With his perfect blonde quaff and baby blue eyes. Oh, Jesus, yes. He's like, got the cleft chin. <laughs> Rocking that purple suit. I know, right? Yes, purple <laughs> wine-collared shirt. I know, Jesus. Um <laughs> Uh, so we got, oh yeah, okay. So Lucas and Warren were in the back making fun of Rex some more to Jane, uh, mentioning Axel Rose running him over. Weird, over, over exaggerated scene with Warren pretending like he's going to run over 
Rex Manning and shit. Uh, later, we see Warren trying to pick up quarters that are glued to the floor by Luke, by AJ. <laughs> he says, I don't feel like I have to explain my art to you. Mm-hmm. Lucas brings up the, what he stole. He says, rap, metal, rap, metal. Whitney Houston says it's for his girlfriend. And this is when Jane asked if any of them listen to Rex's music before they make fun of her some more. Uh, some more Rex and fan interactions. One says the autographs for her mother, and another one comes singing Say No More in loud musical fashion. Yeah, she's singing like all falsetto, like she's auditioning for yeah. an opera. It's a little old lady. Yeah, exactly. Little old ladies, definitely. Um, we got Burko coming into work. This Burko, do you know who this guy is? Yeah, it's Liv Tyler's stepdad at that time. Yes. Am I the only person who just does who just thinks that's fucking weird? Um, he's I'm the one have that, you I'm, actually looked at his story like like recent shit? Like he's not a good person at all. No, nah, nah, I haven't I haven't I haven't dug into his bio enough. And I just knew at the time he made this movie, he was married to Baby Buell, and that's um Liv Tyler's mom. Yeah, you know, I mean, Steven Tyler's I mean, ex groupie. But I don't know why his fucking guy, name is Coyote Shivers. He calls himself yeah, Coyote. No, I knew that, but I didn't bother like looking into his history. Why would he like commit sodomy with an underage child across state lines or something? What the hell did the dude do? No, he just treated fucking women like shit from us. Did of his he life. really? He was just like oh, an arrogant, God, yeah. like I'm, I'm hot shit in Hollywood type prick. So or- bad, so bad that in 2008, the uh, L.A. County Superior Court declared him a vex, uh, a vexus, something. <sighs> V-E-X-A-T-I-O-U-S. I cannot pronounce that word. Uh, litigant. Thus barring him from filing any court actions without review by a judge who will ensure that the court action has legal merit and is not intended to harass or intimidate. I mean, he's a real piece of shit. He has a pattern of physical, sexual, and psychological abuse. Oh, wow. Stalking girls, uh, legal harassment, shit wow. like that. Yeah, dude. Yeah, he's uh, yeah. He kind of comes. I mean, this is the only thing I ever knew him from. But he kind of comes across, even the way he plays the characters, like you know, your uh, uh, Laurel Canyon Hollywood rocker bad boy. You know what I mean? And he just wanted to live the life, especially you know he's getting this kind of attention in the mid nineties. It probably just fed his ego, and he kept that up for Christ. When when did they call him a, a vexatious litigant? How long ago? Two thousand eight. Jesus Christ, he kept it up for that long? Yeah. Man, I mean, what a bastard. It's it's kind of like he kind of like slimed his way into this film. Like, hey, Liv, you think you can get your stepdad a role yeah, with, with, with fellow like kids? It. It's like he's supposed to be one of them, like all the same age and shit. It's like, oh. dude, you're a creep. This is fucking oh. weird. I don't know. Now, then, like, he does put on a hell of a show at the end on top of the, the store, but still. And that's really him. Make up for it. Oh, I, I'm sure it is. Yeah, that's really but, Renee Zellweger, too. I know. I know. I got something to say about that. But okay, we'll cool. get to that. We'll get to it. Definitely. And also, um, you know, it. I, I don't know. The, the, the guy is just weird. He sounds like a creep, man. He sounds I mean, like even, a, I mean, even his character is like the whole, you know. It sounds he like he's just playing himself. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, he comes into work and again asks Lucas about a rumor that he heard stealing nine grand, going to AC, and now there's a bounty for him. Uh, 
This time, Warren's in the room, and he picks up on all this. Uh, so he's knowing, you know, Lucas is not the fucking squeaky clean guy he portrays himself to be. Uh, he asks if anyone's seen Deborah and is told that she's working and has a bandage on her wrist. He asks who Jane is, and she says she works for Rex Manning before everyone goes back to laughing at her when she excuses herself and then quits. Who does she quit from? I mean, who does she work for? She just like up and quits like she works for the record store. Well, who she, does she quit she, from? Well, she, I'm sure she's Rex's personal assistant. That's what I thought. I thought she was like his his, his assistant or PR or whatever. She's like, well, she this, is. I well, quit. yeah, she definitely is all and that. She storms yeah. out, and then Joe's all freaked out. Like, great, she quit. Like on his watch, just... on his watch, basically, she quit. And, and that's why he's upset because she quit Rex Manning on his watch. So that's yep. why he's affected. I'm like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't he be like, all right, your assistant quit. Get the fuck out of my store later on, Rex Manning. But it's, okay. It's, it's just the, 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 the shit sandwich is just piling on. Higher yeah, and Joe's, and higher having, for Joe. he, Joe's having a shitty day. Yeah, you can say that again. Joe's shit. having a shitty day, <laughs> which will prompt him to fucking grab them sticks and start drumming. It. It's ACDC, right? And this is it right here. Yup, he uh, he fucking cranks up. If you want blood, you got you it. Want blood, you got it. And starts drumming while we get another montage of nineties tour record. Yeah, you got, you got Rory Cochran like mouthing into the. And you notice how he covers his mouth with his fist because he really don't know yep. the words. Probably. <laughs> yeah, like how the hell uh, do you get the part and not know the words of ACDCs if you want blood? Christ, I didn't get the part and I know the words if you want blood. So the montage ends when Mitch enters the store. First thing he does is ridicules Joe for not have not treating him more like a star. Talks about the the, the, the fruit or vegetable. Yeah, let's get him. Let's like give him a fruit basket and some champagne yeah, for Mister Manning. Mister Manning sitting here all dry mouth with an empty table signing autographs <laughs> for memes and peepholes. So the two go to the back where Mitch asks for the deposit so we can personally make sure it gets to the bank. Joe says he'll handle it, but Mitch insists. So Joe stupidly fills the bank bag with pieces of paper instead, continuing to cover for Lucas. Yeah, uh, Joe's got a heart. Joe's got a heart. I know, but okay, dude. You and I have both been store managers. I could never do this. As much as I would love, I, I and I've had love for employees under my watch, but I could never stick up for an employee the way Joe does. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, it's it's there's a lot, there's a lot, it's, and, and it's not even so much suspension of disbelief. It's, it's now. Like, these people gotta behave the way they do because the script demands it. Oh, I know, I know. You know but what there's I mean? some sort. Like, there's a, there's a sense of, all, of reality in this, though. Realism. Most of these motherfuckers would have been fired before the lights went on. Right. <laughs> yeah. Second yeah, of all, why true. does he need so many goddamn employees in this record store? Because all they do is fuck around, man. There's like two registers. Yeah, but back in the day, you remember going into like rocking a tape freighter. Yeah, I do. I do. That's what I kept thinking about. Like, yeah, man, it's, it's all it was. Like, I mean, it's 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 like uh, one of my notes says high fidelity. Much same concept. Like they just hang around until you give them a fucking job. <laughs> you know, and then what he said is like Barry just showed up to the records so are gonna hang around eventually and just started putting them to work. He both you of know? them, man. Like, he's like they both just showed up. 50, said, they both showed up and they wouldn't leave. And I they wouldn't leave. So and that was that. That was eight years ago or something like that. <laughs> it was eight years ago, right? I just put them to work. 
They just showed up and haven't went home since. That was eight years ago. <laughs> I could have rang this whole fucking store by myself, but these doors <laughs> wouldn't leave. So I gave a couple bucks to take the load off, you know? Oh, uh, shit. Um, where are we at now? Okay, here we are. All right, so we got Deborah doing inventory when Burko comes and compliments her hair when she asks why he never came home last night. She says that this is all about her and that he didn't do anything wrong. She just wants him to get up and walk away, so he does. And then we cut to AJ out back practicing what he wants to say to Corey before checking his watch. And what time is it? It's 1.30. He's got exactly seven minutes. I'm going to tell you something. It's about how I feel about you. I, I, I really, really, really. Oh, God. You know that feeling you get when you get out of a hot bath and you just feel really refreshed and nice? Well, you make me feel like, you make me feel like a bath. Oh, you're like vanilla ice cream, French vanilla ice cream. Yeah. So we got AJ going back and forth in front of Corey, who's putting records away and not paying any attention. And we got Mark being Mark. Dusting I'm around being a girl. fucking creep. He creeps up on that girl with her headphones on. Yeah, just dusting around her. before. Yeah, he just break. leans in for a kiss while she's got her eyes closed. He's like basically committing sexual assault on the job. It's a little weird. It's a it's little like, like I said. Weird. Everybody in this movie would have been fired from their jobs before it was time to punch out. Yeah, they, were, right. they were really working. There wouldn't for be a record. store open. No. And uh, then we got the police. They're there to take Warren away, trying to tell the cops first about Lucas taking the nine grand before warning them that he'll be back and they'll be sorry. You'll be back. I'll be back and you'll be sorry. His, vo his voice cracks almost as bad as Embry's does in other scene. Yeah. Um, and then Joe comes to Deborah. He's working in an empty listening booth. He says, uh, for you know, to, to talk to her and you know, reach out to her. And she says, You want to fix me, Joe? She says, what are you gonna do, Joe? Fix me? I'll listen. You want to fix me, Joe? He tells her that she's doing a good job for just simply walking away. She says she feels a lot better after that. Then we cut to Corey. She comes to Joe about taking Rex's lunch, but Joe says Burko's doing it. She he says goes, he needs to. She just, she like just screams at him. I'm bringing Rex's lunch. <laughs> I'm bringing Rex's lunch, and he just quietly goes, "Okay, like, all right, you're bringing him his fucking lunch." So she's preparing the lunch when he comes in, goes to eat. Corey starts acting seductive when Rex says that he can't help but notice her staring at him. She starts undressing herself and uh, he's questioning her age. When she says that she's old enough, he asks if she's sure she wants to do this. Yeah, you she sure says, you want to do this? She says she's <laughs> sure. So he starts to unzip his pants. Yeah, what does he say, what, rock and roll? Yeah. Angering, pretty much humiliating her in the process. Um, yeah, he just whips it out like, all right. She just like gets freaked out and storms out of the room. This scene is definitely trim. The first thing I noticed last night was, oh wow, like they caught like a whole bit with him and the uh, the dressing. 
that's in the uh, yeah yeah remix. you know what now that you mentioned because when i was watching last night i was a little disappointed that you couldn't rent the extended one because the last time i watched it was when i had the opolis over there in rosedale what 10 some odd years it's ago. been about 10 years yeah 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 and you would you had laid your copy on me and it was the only time i'd ever watched them with the extra footage i think this was only my third or maybe fourth time watching the film I've seen it less than 10. I'll put it to you that way. But I do remember the extra stuff when I watched that. And then I could tell that what I was watching last night was um, definitely truncated from my last experience, but I couldn't really put my finger on what. But now that you mentioned, yeah, him talking about the salad dressing and stuff, that's one of the scenes. So, yeah, there is a couple of minutes cut out of that uh, Corey and, and, and Rex Manning scene that made it to that cut. Now, apparently... Um, what I read was they released that cut on DVD, but it was the right. Blu-ray that got trimmed back to theatrical. Am I right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. So they kind of like one off it on home video and they just kind of like the studio or the director, or everything, they, they, they spun their wheels and, and called it back and didn't, and didn't want to put that footage in there. And I'm curious to see the extra 40 minutes that makes it a two day movie. You know, well, that, so that footage is no longer. It's I'm no, sure it's, it's probably it's melted celluloid at this point. Yeah, but um, no, it's 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 funny you mentioned that because the Blu-ray there's actually two Blu-rays in circulation. One uh, from a- one from Fox and one from Warner Brothers. And to my knowledge, they are both unfortunately the rated versions. Mm-hmm. To my understanding, that this whole remix thing that was put out 15, 16 years ago yeah, that was, is that was no longer man. available. It's like that, it's like that 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 remember we were talking about that extended cut of Blues Brothers that I used to have. Right. Remember we it's, talked about it, that? The one that, yeah, the I, one that, I showed yeah. you like they, they 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 I think I showed it to you. The, the the it screened one time at a drive-in in Calumet, Illinois, for like three hundred people, and then Landis mm-hmm. like trimmed a bunch of shit out and released the rest. And I happened to just like stumble across this, you know, extended cut. That's it was a one and done. Like you know, I think my stripes is right. that way too. That's a shame too. I mean, you know, give me it more. is absolutely there. Give us more. I mean, I you, you can see it. It's not like it's hard to find. You can rent, you can buy it, you know, digitally. Oh, that's right. You said you could have bought it. You just rented this. So you could have bought the one. Okay. All right. Yeah, so you can buy the version again. that we're talking about still. All right. It's you, just, can't, it, you can't it, own it on physical media. Right. I got you. Okay. Okay. How much is it right. to buy? $14.99. That's bucks. not bad. That's not bad. Nah, that's okay. you have an internet connection, 15 bucks for the rest right. of your life. I can dig it. All right. Uh, Corey. Quickly gathers her clothes and throws them back on while she's oh, yeah. and then she goes to the roof, uh, where AJ's there practicing more about what he's gonna say to her. So with Corey now there, not knowing what just happened, he goes for it and screws up with the timing. Corey. What are you doing here? I'm fixing the sign. What are you doing? Taking a break. Wow, it's weird that you just came up here. Look, I really have to tell you something. Not now, please. No, it has to be now. No, no, it has to be now. Listen, you, you remember that really horrible day when Mark set off the store alarm and, 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 and Gina got dumped by that dentist guy and cried all day and I, I drew the picture of him and Lucas made the voodoo doll and, and you wore that skirt that I hate? Do you remember that day? What skirt? The, the one with the flowers. The blue skirt? Yeah, the blue one. Uh, I hate, hate that. Yeah, I hate that skirt. Because it's good that I hate that skirt, Corey, because that, listen, that, listen to me, that skirt made me realize that, I mean, if I can, if I can love her in that skirt, then this must really be it. Corey, I love you. What? I mean, I'm in love with you. 
been in love with you. Oh, wow. Please, not now. Please, AJ. Please don't do this right now. I'm sorry, but I, I can't handle this right now. What are you telling me? What, you could handle it some other time? Is that it? Look, I just threw myself at Rex Manning, okay? I made a total fool out of myself, and I, and I really don't... You what? Yes, and, and, and I'm not ready for this, okay? And I, I'm sorry, I'm not But can and I state it's been exactly seven minutes, so it is one thirty-seven in the timeline? Either that, or he just sees her there around the same time and it's like, fucking no, what I'm, now. What, what I'm saying is, if you look at the runtime, the scene of him checking his watch, if you look at the theatrical version, he checks his watch, and then she gets to the roof. It's been exactly seven minutes of screen time. Are you shitting me? No, yeah, I'm not shitting you. Oh, Wow. Yeah, no, I yeah. Didn't, I didn't, I actually, that's not gonna. It's it's not gonna play like that with your extended cut because you got all the extra dialogue with her and Rex Manning and the, you know, in, in, in the the you know. It's the not a whole lot. It, they probably cut like five seconds tops. Okay, really. but still, yeah. If it, it, from the time AJ mm -hmm. checks his watch to the time she gets to the roof, it's been exactly seven minutes of screen time. So it uh, would be one thirty-seven. Okay. Okay. You didn't know that. Oh man, no, I didn't. I, I've never paid attention. No, yeah, honestly. Yeah. So next time, good, give it a look. Yeah, good one. Uh, yeah. So she also admits to throwing herself at Rex, and then AJ coldly, coldly leaves her alone. Uh, then we got Gina and Corey having lunch. Uh, when Gina tries cheering her up, Corey says that she's not like her, and then just she can't just throw herself at every guy she sees. Causing Gina to respond angrily, telling Corey she thinks she's better than her and everyone else. Would oh, she call herself a turbo swat? Something along them lines. I didn't write down word for word. I wrote that down because that's a good band name. <laughs> Tell me that's not a righteous band name. <laughs> I'm that's at least going to make up a like, logo and print some t-shirts, man. Like an L7-esque band called Turbo <laughs> Slut. Turbo Slut. Right. Yeah, she does. She calls herself a turbo slut. Yeah, speaking of which, Corey responds, calling her a slut in not so many words when she storms off. And then Eddie sits down instead, with Corey then blowing him off. Um, Gina goes to Rex Manning and offers her to him by guessing what kind of underwear he's got on. So the two go to the back so that he can show her in person, and they hook up in the back room. All of this to clearly get back at Corey for the scene prior. Yep. So yeah, Corey tries talking to AJ, who's outside painting. She compliments the picture when he cuts her off and tells her that don't pretend like nothing happened, basically. Right. She says that she sees him as her best friend and nothing more, and that they have something better than a relationship. And he calls her, he says that it's bullshit and says, you know, it's just not fair and walks away. Then we got Deborah making buttons for everyone. <laughs> Deb Deborah's just a random girl. Different things, <laughs> random, different shit. Now she's making buttons. Yeah, where's she getting all these images from? She's spending time like cutting shit out of magazines and like <laughs> pressing on the buttons. Like all of a sudden, she's got a little button maker. I dig it. You got a button maker because you're working in a record store, but she's just making random fucking buttons and some of them are personalized. Yeah, I'm not sure all the bells and whistles say so gadgets, gadgets, but I'm sure yeah, movie's uh, gonna movie. Not as cut dry as this, the movie makes it out to be. Exactly. Plot's gonna plot. Movie's gonna movie, shit's gonna happen. Uh Corey's button says dishonesty while Mark says Mark sucks. 
Uh, AJ puts on Say No More. It's like the fourth time we've heard this Say song. Say No More. Bon <laughs> got a pound of love in your front door. <laughs> you probably had this fucking song on vinyl or a seven I, inch or something. I, yeah, dude. That's my theme song. That's my ringtone. <laughs> you call so, me a place Say No More, Bon More by Rex Manning. Jesus, AJ's dancing around with Deborah while Corey looks at them bothered. Everyone at the store begins dancing. When Joe comes out and starts yelling at everyone, even the fucking customers, now he's yelling at customers. He's just having a fucking meltdown. Joe's at the end of the worst friggin' weekdays experienced in years. He says that he hopes everyone's having fun because he says that next week it'll be a music town and that they don't allow dancing at music town. Right. And then he loudly asks what he should do about Lucas. He tells him not to worry because he's a superb manager. Yeah, Lucas just keeps like saying superb. Superb. What are we supposed to do instead, Joe? What am I going to do with this guy, huh? What should I do? Turn him into the police? Send him to jail? Who do you think that he's going to come to when he wants bail? Who? Me, right? What should I do? Put in my own nine grand? And then I'm screwed. Don't worry, Joe. You're a superb manager. Really? Superb. Keep it up, Lucas. Superb. Say it again. Superb. Joe, that's my show. Joe keeps asking him to say that, and when he does, drags him into his office and starts beating him around while everyone it's, listens in. Again, everybody would be fucking fired, and the store would be closed early. Joe just yeah. committed assault, and we're not done with no, workplace no. grievances. We're not done with with any workplace, but it's a record store, an independent record store in the '90s. So these things go. You know, Joe's beating his employees. Love it. Right. <laughs> Joe and Lucas quickly make up when so he suddenly asks where Rex is. And, and then she's like, like, well, where's Gina? Yeah, Deborah says she's got a better question. Where's Gina? Right. This is when uh, everyone realizes what's going on. Uh, Corey comes in asking to leave early because uh, she's not feeling well. Everyone knows she's got to go in the back, and that's where Gina and Rex are. She asks why is the door locked, and all of a sudden the door opens up. Out comes Gina and Rex. Guys. Rex asks, "What? No applause?" <laughs> yeah, AJ he knows he's been busted. He's like, "What? Yeah. No applause?" AJ attacks him and gets punched in the process. Then we get Rex being thrown out, and is also told that Jane quit on him, and that they all think he's a joke with shit music. I love his. I, I love, and I call it the Rexit. I why love, don't you all just fade away? Why don't you all just fade away? He quotes the who. Why don't exactly. you all just fade away? in my generation. Yep. <laughs> he kind of bows and backs out the door and, you know, exit Maxwell Caulfield stage right. <laughs> mm -hmm. So then uh, we see Gina asking Joe if she's being fired. And he says, have I fired anyone yet today? No. What <laughs> I thought with you? Everybody should have been fucking fired today. Well, because he sends her home and she's like, am I being fired? And he's like, have I fired anybody yet today? Why would I start with you? <laughs> right. 
of all things, you get fired. Exactly. Lucas stole nine grand. He still works here. So prior to Gina leaving, we get Corey snapping. She uh, she, she keeps on bear. No, well, well yeah, this is, but they both snap because Corey she starts uh, burying. Corey keeps burying Gina until Gina snaps and exposes Corey's diet pill slash speed consumption addiction. If, 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 okay. Yeah. Now who, who, who keeps their speed in their work locker? She just goes over to Corey's little cubby and pulls out her drugs. She's like, ah, oh, here's your little, you know, pet pills or whatever. But this fucking <clears throat> subplot comes out of nowhere. Well, no, you said, no, you, you do see there's, there's a quick, it's only like two or three seconds. There's a quick shot of after a line of dialogue, I don't know how much earlier in the film, but you do see her open that container and take one. By her, I mean Liv Tyler. You see, you see that happen. I don't remember what scene it is, but it's earlier in the film. You, you know, you're right. Her, now, now, now I think about you it. Do you see everything right. and and take it, yeah. and then it's it's never brought up or mentioned again until right. Now. It's it's this brush under the rug until this fucking scene, and it's right. like, right. where the fuck did this come from? Right. So is this how your life's gonna be now, huh? You're just going to screw every husband until your tits fall down and they don't want you anymore? Well, at least I don't hide what I am. Right, Corey? At least I'm not some closet speed freak, right? What you think I don't see what you do? Do you think I don't see what you do? Shut up! I know what you do. What's this? Oh, what's this? What are these? What are these? Aspirins, vitamins, breath mints, diet pills? Steinfeld, oh, what a surprise. I could study all night if I was chowing down speed too. You know that I could or what? For your perfect little face and your perfect body. Stop it. your perfect family and your perfect school. Stop it. And your perfect, Gina, stop it. perfect future. Stop it, stop it. Come on, stop it. Come on, come on. Go I'm stopping. It's always about so yeah, uh, the, the, then we got uh, Joe. He goes to comfort Corey, and she snes where Corey snaps. She screams at him. Uh, and then she goes out into the actual store and starts tearing apart the Rex Manning stuff. Yeah, and then she's finally calmed down by the staff, and then taken to the bathroom with Deborah to uh, dunk her face into a sink full of water. That nasty ass sink. Uh, yeah. Fucking, Corey then asks Deborah why she's being so nice to her. Deborah tells her to save the Hallmark moment. Leaves. Yeah, it reminds me of a scene in a Breakfast Club. My, only in the Breakfast Club, no one drops panties to take a piss while mid during mid conversation. Yeah, well, mid nineties <laughs> angst, man. We got to show it somehow. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Uh, and then we get what I can only assume is. Your favorite part with Mark <laughs> watching Guar's Sadama Gogo. Sadama Gogo, man. Guar with the late great Dave Brocky. May he rest in peace. Wow. The, did they get did, did did Brocky and those guys get credit like in the actual credits? Yeah, there's uh you know, so yeah. Because uh, they they filmed it's obvious they filmed footage as Guar for this film. Yes, you're right. It's my favorite scene because it's Guar, dude. I've seen Gorgor eat somebody on stage from less than a hundred feet away around the time this film came out. Mark watching the video and eating some of the Eddie's brownie. And yeah. then he it's envisions just uh, brownies. 
he 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 uh, envisions uh, Odorus Arongus offering him a spot in the band. Why don't you join the band? You play a mean guitar, Mark. Why don't you join the band? That's Dave uh, Rocky, ladies and gentlemen. We then see Mark playing with them a little with their until their drum set monster eats him, saying, "You not drum set monster. That's Gorgor." Well, I'm sure there's a name for it, and yeah, it's Gorgor. you know more than me. <laughs> You play a mean guitar, man. It's too bad you must die. Yeah, you get fed to Gorgor. I always wanted to get fed to Gorgor. There's a Darius laughs on and on. Cut back to Mark smiling, telling Eddie he loves him while laughing. And then we get Jane coming back to the store. She asks Joe out to dinner, which he quickly accepts. So he, he, at least he gets a dinner out of all this shit. Um, a dinner with Debbie Mazar at that. Shitty red haircut. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. Uh, (laughs) Then Eddie asks AJ if he knows where Harvard is before going into a monologue about Harvard being a strange planet and that Koi's just not right for him, which upsets AJ and causes him to get up and leave. And then, then we have this. I mean, this is just this fucking funeral scene. Yeah, I mean, we're first of all, I mean, I I kind of I kind of get what they you, you know, the first thing I took away from this and, and I just took it took it away last night. I felt like what they were going for and it worked when Robert Altman did it in Mash. They were kind of going for that type of, you know, camaraderie type scene, but it worked in the setting of Robert Altman's Mash you know, in, in, in 1971, it does not work in 95 in the setting of a bunch of teenagers in a record store. This where'd scene they, has never worked for me. Never. No, where they, where they get all, I mean, like they, they, they're, they're going to stop the work day, almost close a fucking store. And it's one thing to close the store. Well, no, because from- they got Mark out there. Remember? Cause they got, they, they show Mark out there like freaking out. Oh yeah, He's overwhelmed. Midnight. Midnight. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Yeah, it's not like they close. Yeah, it's not like they close the store to go up to the roof and play hockey. But you know, (laughs) where where'd they get all her fucking funeral gear from? They got fucking candles and shit and black Dude, sheets. It's much. It is much. It's, it's it's reaching at this point. It's where like if you weren't if you weren't with it at this point, you would you're, you're turning it off now. Like you're Cause, just because like, now because now we're essentially fishing for compliments. That's all we're right. doing now. Right. Yeah. We're, we're going we're, around we're, Robin saying, hey, say something nice about her so she stops being depressed. It's like, right. Right. And it's just so. I wish I could have people fucking compliment me when I'm feeling yeah, down I mean, one day. You know? I, I'm, I'm all down in a dump. So we're just going to make a big funeral for you and make you feel better. Fuck that shit. I'm not that needy. I mean, yeah, I get. Yeah. She's needy. She's. <laughs> I'm shaving my head at work for a reason. You know. Like I said, angst much? Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. Um, cut to Mark trying to man the store alone with the with the ringing phone, the store full of people. Calls back for help. Um, yeah. So back at the funeral thing, I, I'm using funeral in quotes here. Gina returns and admits that she's always wanted to sing in a band, and that she doesn't want to quit and be like her mother. Uh, to which Corey replies that she'll never be like her mother, and 
And then when it's all said and done, Deborah admits that her suicide attempt was a mere call for help, saying, quote, unquote, I tried to kill myself with Lady Bick. Yeah, it's a pink, pink plastic, plastic razor, razor with a moisturizer strip. Yes. Um, so then Warren returns with a gun, tries holding the place up when Deborah <laughs> comes out to intervene. Uh, Warren eventually snaps when he hears the name Warren one too many times, screaming, my name isn't fucking Warren. Followed by a handful of staff members repeating his name as it Warren, followed by Mark saying, I thought his name was Warren. Now, in the remix version, this is the big, like, R-rated scene here because well, Warren's everyone, everyone repeats his name as it fucking Warren. You hear fuck, you hear the word fuck like the amount of times that you hear Steve Martin say in playing trains of automobiles. Like it okay. said in one single scene, like a handful of times. Wow. And um yeah, that's the, the whole my name isn't fucking Warren scene. That's this is one of the main differences here. Um because I noticed it was really it's it's short and, and cut for this 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 version. Mm-hmm. So um he says they all belong in the loony bin and that they all think that they're so superior, which is true, they do. With Joe eventually turning this, the the confrontation into a job offer before the police come and take him away. It's like, first of all, the last thing the record store needs is another goddamn employee. Second of all, the guy that done ripped the joint off got locked up twice and showed up with a handgun, regardless of whether or not it had live ammo, gets offered a fucking job. Yeah. <laughs> Movie's been a movie. The 90s. The 90s, folks. In case you, for all you young bloods listening, if you're curious about how the 90s really were, this was the 90s uh, look <laughs> guys i was that age at this time it wasn't that fucking righteous all right <laughs> so we got uh various people starting handling uh starting to hand lucas money and items to pawn uh adding up to he comes up with a ba- with about three grand it's your obligatory 90s montage yeah, and Lucas admits defeat and tells Joe to call Mitchell. Mark then stops him and says that he has an idea. Runs out to the news reporters outside and announces to uh, the TV that there's a free party going on at Empire Records, collecting donations to raise the other six grand that Lucas needs. Uh, then we cut to Sponge's Plow playing as the, as the gang sets up shop and start people start showing up for the uh, big party. Big Empire Records, damn the man, save the Empire party. Yep. Uh, then Mitchell, the owner, gets to the place and asks why he feels like he's being screwed. Joe confirms his suspicions and admits one of his employees needed the money. When he asks who it was, Lucas comes in and breaks down everything that happened next. that happens next week when Music Town starts, including all of them being let go. Uh Mitch confirms all this and then Joe quits, start his own company. So he admits that he doesn't have the money for it, but he'll get it. And then yeah, he, admits he, he admits he A, don't have the deposit, B, can't buy him out like they agreed. So rather than let Music Town gobble him up, he's going to take the staff with him and start a rival independent record store. Well, he does exactly what he says he's going to do in, in a couple scenes, actually, um, with the money that they all raise collectively for this. But before that, we are treated to Sugar High from it's, this fucking Coyote Shivers. And, and Zelly Wings, Zellwig. man. 
And Hell you can yeah. see one thing I will say, man, you can see her excitement. I don't know how much she's acting or how much she's just enjoying being like singing that song. But you can tell me when she's rocking out with her with with her chorus or whatever. She's having fun rocking out. She's ecstatic. She is. She's ecstatic with that. Like you can feel the energy coming off. Like I'm sure, you know, Coyote Shivers has probably, you know, got himself a little buzz on. I'm sure she loosened up before he did. And I'm sure they probably, you know, recorded most, if not all, of that take, you know, live in camera. But you can see her excitement with singing that song, and it's it's it, it definitely catches. Like I forgot until last night how much I appreciated that scene. That guy apparently is a piece of shit, but she's an adorable little treasure. So it kind of balances out, and I really, really like as as absurd as it is that they're playing on top of a fucking marquee, but. I really dig that scene and the energy coming off of it. I'm just going to say It's a fun little scene. It is. It is. And I'm, I'm sure she's excited because she probably wrapped production earlier that day on Return of the Chainsaw Massacre. And she's <laughs> just, right. anything to be off of that set. Right. <laughs> Anything's a winner. Shit. Um, McConaughey's on his way to a time to kill. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, he <laughs> would be. He would be. Yeah. And then she's off from doing this to Jerry Maguire. Mm-hmm. So Mitch is seen struggling and working the front register while everyone is ha- while everything's happening. He asks if anyone works there, and then Warren appears with a beer. But his name tag. How does Warren get released from jail twice in the same day so fast, God, dude? And I think this plays into the cuts, and, and and we'll get to that. But you're right, you're right, and I'm and I think there's a reason for that. Got went to jail um, twice already today, but he's cut loose again. Hey, man, he's got a hell of a lawyer. <laughs> Corey calls out to AJ. Meanwhile, inside, Joe hands Mitch the nine grand uh, when he sells the place back to him for the same amount, which Joe was expecting all along. That's why he hands him the nine grand. Because he even makes a, he mentions prior to this scene that his goal is to pretty much buy his partner out. Right. And that's what he does. He gives him the nine grand. And he expects Mitch to do exactly what he does do. And he says, why don't I just sell this to you cheap, real cheap? And he's looking at the money he was just given, insinuating $9,000 cheap. That's how I took it. I don't know about all that, but shit, I wish I could buy that big ass store and all its inventory (laughs) for nine grand. Christ, we we won't be doing this right now. True, true, true. And then... uh, on the rooftop, Corey and AJ admit their love for each other in typical 90s teen movie fashion. When the gym blossoms till I hear it from you starts playing, ending in a kiss between the two as the screen and music both fade into the group slow dancing together to This Is The Day by The The on the rooftop. Yeah, now the, the, this, the, the, entire, the entire cast is not on the rooftop, on the fucking marquee. We've exceeded weight limits. They're on the they roof. Should, they, they should be collapsing through. Well, 
Okay, let's Are you on the roof? I'm pretty sure we're on the marquee. Through the Empire that Records. Mar- that marquee is always so big, my man. I mean, that marquee barely fit the fucking band of Renee Zellweger for that performance. <laughs> it sure as shit ain't going to fucking fit 15 people fucking dancing around together, you know, in pairs. Either way, the way, I think they're the vibe, Either way, I think the whole cast is violating fire codes by being up on that roof. At the same time. Well, all that shit aside, <laughs> I, I, I've always thought this was kind of a cool ending with all with all them. I mean, I, I'm a sucker for this. Yeah, song, it, it wraps it, it. You're right. It wraps itself up in a neat little bow, and everybody gets their happy little ending like you expected. There's no it's real cons- There's no real consequences in this movie. It's you it, know? You're right. You're right. And then did Again, you, did you stick around for the mid the mid credit scene? Uh, yeah, yeah, we're 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 Eddie and Mark are just Mark sitting on Eddie the curb talk, talking about Primus and the Pixies and new right, music together. Right, right, yeah. He talks about how how Primus doesn't have a real bass player, dude. I've seen Primus live. I've watched Les so Claypool play a stand up bass. You know, and yep. one thing, one of my favorite memories was about a half an hour into their set. And it's only then that he points to the kids. You know, they got this screen behind them with all the weird images. They all yeah. spell out Primus. He's like 30 minutes into the set and he's like, we're Primus. And he just points it like we didn't already know who the fuck they were. You know what I mean? Yeah, Primus is fun. I've seen them a lot. Yeah, Primus is definitely cool, man. I saw him cover. They, they When I saw him, they did a cover of Ministries Thieves. And he's playing oh, around wow. stand-up bass, dude. That was bad as shit. Damn, damn, damn. Yeah, that was bad. He's, a, he's playing a little bass. Yeah, dude, they covered Thieves by Ministry when I saw them. It was badass. Well, that wraps up Empire Records. <laughs> Happy Rex Manning Day, kids. <laughs> All right, well, box office receipts. In the operational funds box, we will deposit 250000 American dollars. You take it out. We put more in. I want receipts. So Empire Records was released on September 22nd, 1995 from Warner Brothers Pictures. It grossed $303,000. $303,841 to be exact. The budget was $10 million. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not gonna lie to you. I was, I wasn't even 21 <laughs> yet. Um, I was living, um, I was still living in Atlanta, Georgia at the time. And this, there, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of marketing behind it. This movie didn't make a huge impact on, on, on I, I feel like the soundtrack got more pushed in the film. It's, it really itself. did. It really did. It's, it's why it became a sleeper, like, cult hit on home video. Because people didn't go to the movies, but then they bought this mixtape and are like, oh, wait a minute, it's a soundtrack to a movie. And then they went to Blockbuster and rented the VHS. Because then you had a hard time laying hands on it. Like you could, right, it right. wasn't an issue walking up and buying a ticket. Christ, I don't even remember being in the theaters when I was, you know, when I was living down there now. Um, I'm sure it was in a handful. But it was still you know, kind of an independent release like Days of Confused was. You know, these were very companion pieces back then. And they were I mean, it got, it got a two major or three release. years apart, right? It got a wide release. So two years apart because Days of Confused was 93. This was 95. Okay. Yeah, but it, by wide release, yes, it spread across the country. But what I'm talking about, like even... Uh, when, when Days of Confused got released, the, when I was li- I was still living in Baltimore at that time, you had to go all the way to College Park to see it in the theater. Did you know that? 
No. Like, yeah, it wasn't playing at Golden Ring or White Marsh. Neither was well. I wasn't living here when Empire Records came out. I was living in um in in Georgia at the time. But even then, like I'm, I don't remember seeking it out. But I don't actually remember being tantalized to seek it out either. Well, like it was a big marketing push for it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like, I, like, I didn't see this, like I said, until later on. So I yeah, don't me have too, any memories of this being in the theater. Um, I, I, none at all. And it, it actually looks like it was one of them flicks that garnered a wide release for like a single week, and then it got yanked because no. Yeah, one saw yeah. It's, it, it had the distributor got one week out of it. And then they just kind of yanked it and decided to go back and, you know, lick their wounds, cut their losses. And again, it, only, it, was what, it, it grossed 150 grand, hundred, I mean, 150, yeah, $150,000 opening weekend. That's it. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> that's fucking insane. Cannot believe that shit. Um, I mean, not to mention when you, when you drop that, your target audience is going back to school. They're either starting their junior or senior year in high school or their freshman year in college. So they didn't have the time to go buy a ticket Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. So maybe dump it a little bit earlier in the summer when they were still hanging, maybe would have made a little bit more, but even then, who knows, you know, again, it's, it's a film that, that made its bones on its soundtrack. And then once you listen to the soundtrack, you sought out the film. And then once you paid enough late fees for the film, you wound up just buying it for yourself. So you could watch it and hang out with your buddy. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Um, I was, you know, normally this is the part where we break, you know, talk about new faces and shit like that. You're going to go for all new faces. We broke them They're all, all new. Lay down. So let's skip it and just go to let's meet the cat. Hey, you guys. Everybody focus up, okay? All eyes here. I would like to announce that Ben and I are planning to produce a musical number from Godspell for the talent show tonight. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Ben is producing. I'm directing slash choreographing. I'm only speaking from personal experience, but if you can't carry a tune, don't come into the audition environment and waste our time. For serious, okay? Okay, and bring a lot of movement clothes, aka jazz shoes, dance belts, lycras, et al. And seriously, FYI, you guys, this is not an excuse to get out of your regular activities. This is an excuse to do some good musical theater. So be prepared, be enthusiastic, and leave your bullshit attitude and baggage at the door, because we don't need it. Because, I mean, breaking this down, we got Anthony LaPaglia, the only, him and Debbie Mazar and Maxwell Caulfield are like our seasoned actors in this whole yeah, entire they're, 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 they're the ones that have a little bit of traction to them. Like Literally, everyone um, else, fresh face. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because I would I would dare argue Ethan Embry would be the the most seasoned of the gang because he had that childhood career with uh, Dutch. Yeah, the rest of them really stuff. weren't. They, if if they were if they were child actors, they weren't doing it in the public eye on the screen. They were doing it locally, was, community theater, whatever. Yeah, Liv Tyler just happened to be you know a famous bastard. Let's face it, she is. She's a famous. Bastard Steven Tyler, baby mule, you know, mm -hmm. groupie got knocked up and had a pretty kid, and she went on to trade on dad's name. Made a little bit of a career for herself. I'm not going to take that away from her, you know. Yeah. But she I'll was, say. I mean, she was hot shit at the time because she was coming off of those two videos that she did with uh Alicia Silverstone. She yeah, I mean, her, pretty much every video off of Get a Grip she was in. Yeah, yeah, like you know, for I don't want to say daddy pimped out his little girl, 
but daddy definitely put her foot in the door by you know, getting her front getting her front and center you know she probably came yeah. to him like um dad i kind of want to get in the biz He's like all right let me help get you notice and, and he put her in a couple of movies you know <clears throat> and this was i i don't want to say it was her you know it's i'm sure it wasn't her first role but it was her first major role she would go from this right to armageddon almost right uh yeah uh i mean armageddon is still a few years away she uh i can say what happened she after this her and uh ethan Embry went to tom hanks and did that thing you do oh that's right that's right she was in that i forgot yeah, that thing you do came after this, and then yeah, uh, yeah. she was in uh, Stealing Beauty and then Inventing the Abbots with uh, Joaquin. Oh, yeah, I know of it. I've never seen it. I never, oh, seen okay. it. I never saw okay. Stealing okay. Beauty either, but I know I know of both of them. Stealing Beauty is kind of like a period piece almost. I think I've never seen it. I think oh. so. Yeah, I think so. And then, yeah, you're right, Armageddon was well, like her next, for, you know, big. Hey. <laughs> Where where are you at on uh, one night at McCool's? Um, I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, it's I haven't either. <laughs> it's, it's it's look, it's all right, but there was a lot of movies like that being done back then. There were it was like this like drowning, and, um, like drowning Mona. Was drowning Mona like was the one I was thinking of. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It, me and Mandy just watched that a couple months ago. Which again, it's not bad. It's not one you're gonna you know, seek out and watch, you know, once a month or whatever, but you know, it's, it's not bad to go back and revisit. It's a little capsule of its time. Drowning Mona was fun. Cause it's got our boy, Billy Fick in it. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Bette Miller, of course, Danny DeVito, but yeah, with one night of McCool's was kind of like that. There was all these like little twisty turny. It was like Tarantino kind of created that vibe in the early nineties and then everybody was trying to kind of copy it. Yeah. Right? That, you know, this, a little, it, it's, it, there's a little bit of humor. There's a little bit of crime. There's a little bit of tension. There's a little bit of drama. There's a little bit and, of action. Uh, and it twists. Nurse, nurse Betty's and another it was, one. They were churning them out. Nurse Betty was another one. Oh, that's the one with Morgan Freeman and Zellywigs. Right? And Renee Zellweger bringing that back. You know, it's funny. Yeah. 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 Um, they're just weird, you know, dark comedies from like 20 years uh, yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, again, I came up on that. I was, I mean, it was, you got to figure, I was in my, you know, my early to mid 20s back then. So that's when I was chasing this stuff down. But they were, I don't want to say dime a dozen, but there was a lot of movies like that to where they kind of blend together. So when you brought it, bring up One Night in McCool, that's why I said, you know, it's not. I, I, I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah. And course, it's because I can't distinguish it from, again, Drowning Mode. Or um, there was another one that I watched with Chris Penn and Jim Belushi that was similar to that. There was a couple of years later. Chris Penn and Jim Belushi. It's, yeah, again, it's it, it takes place, you know, a, 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 a bunch, you know, the main settings of bar and, you know, that kind of shit. But it was the same thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. All right. Um, let's, this is Crew. Well, my friend, this is Crew. But don't even think about it. You don't look like you could hang, Jermaine. The name's Jamal, and I'll fuck your crew up. Who are they? Who are they? Let's talk about the crew here. Um, so this was directed by an individual named Alan Moyle. 
Do you know who Alan Moyle is or what he's Yeah, directed? I saw the name in the credits, but I never saw him out and try to figure out who he was. He directed Pump Up the Volume. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, we just watched that um, again. It's another one. We just watched a few months back. It's like one of those ones. I'm like, I was kind of going through our streaming services and finding old school movies from, you know, not want to say my childhood, but when I was in my teens and 20s and I'm sharing them with, you know, with the old lady. We, we watched Pump Up the Volume with Chris Slater and uh, Samantha Mathis, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And also... Happy um, Harry Harden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did that, and then he did a movie that I vaguely remember that used to have used to get some play on Showtime when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. A movie called The Gun and Betty Lou's Handbag with mm-hmm. Penelope Ann Miller. Yeah, I remember that. I remember okay. that. Well, I think it was like Ed Burns was in that or something. I knew William Forsythe is in it. Ed Burns in- might be. Yeah. He might be. I'm not sure. And then this, and then um, really – Obviously, this film didn't do the man any favors and kind of had a small career after this film. And he did. I noticed in 2004, he directed um, a VH1 Michael Jackson biopic called Man in the Mirror that I remember getting, you know, some some publicity, some, you know, just people talking back in when it premiered 15, 16 years ago. I remember that movie getting some 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 talk. So. But yeah, kind of a downward career after this film, to say the least. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, pump up the volume. So there's that. The cool yeah, part yeah, that yeah. I tell one of my, my favorite takeaway in pump up the volume is there is to this day a very, very, very hard to find um, Beastie Boys track that wasn't even on that soundtrack, but it's featured in the film early on. He plays it. It was like one of their one one of the, their throwaway cuts when they were still recording. Um, hmm. I, I think I, I think they were in between license to Ellen Paul's boutique, and he even he you know Harry you know his Chris Slater's character mentions it. You know, it's, he plays it during one of his broadcasts, and there's a full segment like there's a whole verse. You hear Ad Rock, MCA, and Mike D all rhyme to say it's it's a track that even I couldn't lay my hands on. And you know how big of a BC's fan I am. Right. Um, so, look, like, I remember buying the Pump Up the Volume soundtrack, <laughs> walked up the record and tape traders, you know, over there in Dundalk, you know, Mayor Boulevard or, or Halliburton, whatever, um, right. to buy it. And I'm to be disappointed to get home. And there's the Beastie Boys songs out on there. It's a very hard to track down song, but it's on, it, 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 there's a good maybe 60 seconds of it played in the first act of, uh, uh, Moyle's uh, Pump of the Volume. So Pump of the Volume is a good one for you guys to track down if, it's, if, if, you, can, if you can find it. I just streamed it not too long ago. Um, and Warner Brothers little... just, just put out on Blu-ray. It just came out on Blu-ray. Yeah, it's, I mean, there you go. Track it down. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. and it's a little, a, a, little sl- a little capsule of, you know, mid to late 90s teen angst, man. It's how we did it back then with our designer drugs and our baggy <laughs> jeans. And also, I wanted to talk real briefly about the writer. The film was written for the screen by Carol Heikinen. Um, so basically, she's a nobody, just being blunt. Uh, so the production company, New Regency, got into a bidding war with Warner Brothers over the script. 
uh, Carol Heikinen was offered 325 grand up front and an additional 200 grand if the film was actually made. She also received uh, 1% of the soundtrack royalties and 5% of the merchandise sales. I'll bet you she made her money on them fucking soundtrack royalties. Well, she based the film on her time working at Tower Records. Yeah. And, and um, ba- basically, I have a note here that two days after Regency executive Michael Nathanson, one of the producers, gave approval to proceed with making the film. He was approached with the script for Clueless the next day and turned it down because he already had a teen movie in hand that he thought was going to be a huge success. Ah. Fuck your turn down Clueless for this movie. What do you think made more money? (laughs) So, yeah. And, and, um, uh, that yeah that it was just basically a bidding war which i didn't really know about until doing my uh homework on this but yeah i, I it was based on you know tower records it was more or less i didn't know about that till 27 seconds ago it, it was like if i wrote clerks based on my time at blockbuster is basically how this was uh conceived. right 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 okay um Ugh. so finger looking good Finger licking good. Uh, let me pull my thing up here. Uh, so personally, my favorite—I I like watching the gang open up the store in the beginning. It gives me blockbuster flashbacks when I used to open up with uh, the store with movies playing on the TVs instead of yeah. using the speakers. Yeah, I never worked it, in that type of environment, like that type of environment with that type of product. I mean, I worked in retail, obviously. Right, but I can, I can, I can dig on that. I can see how you would, you know, definitely hone in on that. And relate to, oh uh, yeah, I can relate, and it just takes me back to like those mornings when I would just open up by. Yeah, you didn't feel bad about getting to work because you were hanging out with your buddies and you were yeah, doing yeah. what you love to do, which was watch movies. Yeah, it was fun. So yeah, I can dude, dig definitely. on that. And always, always envied you for having you know a little nugget of your life like 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 that to you know, <laughs> back on. Oh, then you you know every job I've had, I've never had anything. You know that cool that I cherish like that. Yeah. Outside of this, let's call this a job. This is fun. Yeah, this is fun. Do you uh, do you have a favorite scene? Um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna split that in the middle. Um, sure. I like as, as as many you know you know I'm a big fan of montages. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I I, I like. Uh, and I like we the, do uh, we have the films for you? I know, right. Um, no, I like the um. I like the the ACDC montage where like right in the middle of the film, but I gotta say we talked about it not just a few minutes ago. The sugar high performance at the end that like what a I didn't realize what a piece of shit Coyote Shivers was, but I could see like the passion and energy coming out of Zelly Wigs when she mm-hmm. when when they were doing that scene. So that I think is my favorite scene because there's just like it there's there's energy man it energizes you. Like, I feel like even what we're hearing coming out of the screen was recorded. Like, like it's not an ADR thing. I feel like they recorded it on set and they, you know, they just tightened it up to play. No, it's actually, no, it, it, it wasn't recorded on set. It's, no. yeah, it's an actual song. Um with a belief no i don't mean i I don't mean like like they wrote it on set i'm saying but 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 the sound that we get was not what was it's not like they recorded that it's like what we're seeing is not what was filmed that was in the studio that song was recorded in the studio 
Okay. And it's now recorded on set. Uh, okay. So it's so what we're seeing there is still being lip synced, is what you're telling yep. me? Yeah. Ah, that sucks. Because she's got, she let's let's face it, man, she just rocks such an energy in that scene. Like you feel like she's just like passionate to be doing that. So and if and if if she's not, she's fucking selling it. Now we know why she's got a Academy Award on her shelf a couple years later. Um, so I think that's probably gonna be um my scene is just the performance of Sugar High. It's a catchy little song that, you know, is still in my head 36 hours later. It's funny. We, we're at we're at the perfect spot. Um, I have a brand new category specifically for this film. Uh, and this is the right time to bring it in. It's a category that I'm calling Music Shop Melodies. What the fuck is that? It's the new Bell and Sebastian. That... It's the record we've been listening to and enjoying, Barry. Well, that's unfortunate because it sucks ass. Yours, I assume? And first thing I want to bring up is the fact that the version of the song Sugar High that appears in the movie, it differs significantly from the one included on the soundtrack. The really? film version, I've never bothered yeah. listening to the soundtrack, but the song actually got released like in its entirety. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The film version has additional lyrics and the chorus vocals provided by well, Renee. No, it's, I mean, did it get any radio play ever? No, 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 no. It wasn't a single enough like it was, that. Okay. It, it was only intended as a rough mix for playback during filming but it was included on the soundtrack album because the remastered version was not available. Um, and then I w- I'm reading here that uh, Coyote Shivers, the artist who released the song, played the lead guitar. Uh, no, played the lead singer who performed the song on the rooftop. Yeah, we know that. That's okay. I don't know why I'm reading that off here. Yeah. Um, the soundtrack, huge staple, Cranberries, Jim Blossoms, the Martinis, Toad the Wet, uh, the wet Sprocket, Better than Ezra, Cracker, Quicksand, ACDC, Dishwalla, Guar. I mean, basically Lollapalooza 1997. Y- yes. It's yes. pretty much the lineup for Lollapalooza and HF Festival in the late 90s. Yeah, that's the best way of putting it. Um, <laughs> Let me grab a beer. Yeah, this was, um, I, you know what, now that I think about it, as, as I don't want to say ironic, but can you imagine, like, what it'd be like if you walked into record and tape traders in the fall of 95, and they were playing, I mean, not record and tape traders, um, Soundgarden down at Fells Point in the fall of 95 and they were playing the Empire Records soundtrack while you were in there like wouldn't you feel like you're expecting you know Liv Tyler and Zelly Wages to come dancing out of the stock room <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah definitely definitely it was, it was definitely a product of its time and you could tell it was like these this is let's face it your late teens your early 20s you think these times are never going to end and that's a- what's 
it's, yeah, it's no. a capsule. It's it a defined capsule. the movie. It, it exactly a capsule. And it, it, it defined the movie to me. And I have a quote here, you know, the Jim Blossoms, you know, that song till I hear it from you was like released, was made for this movie. And was, was it actually really? put out. Yeah, you it couldn't escape it there. back then. It was on the radio. Because it was the it was the uh, the lead single for the uh, soundtrack, and so uh, this was this was the one that, that 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 basically kicked the door down for it for the soundtrack. Yeah, that song. I'm saying and, Empire Records kicked the yeah, door yeah. down for that song because you just you really couldn't get away from that song back then. No, no, no. And even I have a quote here. Uh, Ten years ago, uh, Jim Blossom's frontman Robin Wilson said. Of Empire Records, it's a classic film that only a handful of people really saw, but it definitely made an impact on that generation. It was really cool to be to have been a part of that generation. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, mid nineties. I mean, I might have been 11, 12 years old, but I have memories and MTV and that alternative wave of music. It was a big part of that. And I, you know, Dude, I remember, else, I I remember like MTV's was... breakthrough videos and shit like that, you know, or, and I remember when MTV premiered the Smashing Pumpkins Tonight Tonight video for the first time and shit like that. Like, I, I was very young, but I watched a lot of shit. Um, alternate versions. Alternative versions from another dimension. So, this is where I want to talk about this this 17 minutes plus 40 minutes, apparently, of footage that was just left. Including yeah, it was excise. They wanted to trim it because it was filmed to be spread out over two days, and the studio just crammed it down into a 90-minute film that took place over one. It's my and there was Three characters that were admitted all together. Oh, really? They they eighty six some people. I didn't know that. Yeah, one of which was Toby Maguire. Oh, really? Yeah they they got rid of um, Toby. I don't remember who the other two were. Well, who, but what kind of character did he play? Who did he play? Is he I, on a record I, store employee? I I I thought I I would have fired him too. There was already too many people working in that fucking store. Toby Maguire, um, two other characters, and they also condensed it to one day because it was it originally took place for two days. It was like a weekend, and I think that's why we have like jumps. Like there's that, like I mentioned earlier, the uh, the scene with Corey and Gina going with AJ, but then coming back and next. Yeah, it's like they're opening the store. It's like two different days, but edited into one. I get you. Right. Um, and let's see here. I'm trying to see if I have anything else on that because no, the seven. So yeah, the, the the remix edition, 17 minutes longer. It's the the, the version that I pretty much know personally, um, with the exception of the name hasn't his name isn't fucking Warren being uttered like ten times. Um, they the the Rex Manning Corey encounter. Uh, we we talked about that with the the, the salad dressing. Um, I'm trying to think of what else because 
17 I mean, like I said, the last time I watched this was your copy probably 12 years ago. Yeah, I, 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 I'm having a hard time. And I tried I looking, like, I tried finding, like, an actual detailed list, like a breakdown. And I couldn't find such a thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's definitely a, a, a longer film. And yeah. I, I, I wish, you know, because prior to yesterday, I hadn't seen this film in uh, probably five years or so. Yeah. Easily. So I don't remember off the top of my head what was admitted. Um, so that being said, let's get to the mulligan moment. If you had to do it all over again, would you make the same choices? Um, I'll start my mulligan <laughs> moment. <laughs> it, it's, it's easy. Uh, eliminate Deborah's suicide subplot. Exactly. Let's let's just cut that shit. That's, you know? what, that's, that's what I'm gonna come in with. Good. Uh, I was gonna, we park we park our that. cars. We park our cars in the same garage, my friend. Yeah, definitely. I mean that that shit's just much. We've already brushed up on it during the actual you know conversation. We get when it. The, she's the angsty, emo teen. You don't need to cram it down my throat like she's Natalie Portman in Heat. Yeah, I mean it's like. She's the reason my chemical romance is a fucking band. <laughs> <laughs> and Fallout Boy. Yeah. God, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. You're right. It's the so, reason there's yeah. So the whole, that, that Deborah shit's been getting too much, you know, attention this episode. So let's wrap it up and, uh, yeah. Last word. All right, let me break it down so you right quick. Andre say he catch any apple ball anybody can throw. Coffee say that's bullshit. You a buster. Andre say roll up, bitch. Coffee say I'll give you all my gun if you catch this ball. He threw the ball. Andre call it. Andre say pay me my money. Coffee say you do a cheating bitch. No way. Coffee say you a motherfucker. Okay, I got it. I mean, it's fun. Like I said, it's a good hangout movie. It's very vapid. Um... There's no real consequences at stake. I mean, let's face it, the biggest consequence is Lucas's nine grand. And even the boss don't give a shit about that, even though he does at the beginning, he done at the end. Um, so again, it's a good companion piece with Days of Confused. It's like cinematic fucking wallpaper. You just throw it on when you're hanging out with your buddies, you know, ripping a couple of tubes and you got some good tunes, some funny moments, some memorable dialogue, but nothing, nothing, nothing that hits too hard or sticks too heavy. So is this something I'm going to watch year over year? Absolutely not. I could probably go another eight to 10 years. I would rather watch the additional 17 minutes on the version that you, you that, that you had laid on me before. I would love to get the full additional 40 spread out over two days, but we're never going to see that. Um, yeah, for real. But it was, you know, it was a product of its time. You know, it really was. It was a product of its time. I grew up, I was like that demographic back then. When that film came out, I was 20 going on 21. I was their target audience. Did I seek it out? No, because it wasn't really marketed like that. You know, at least not around the areas I was living. <clears throat> but right. it, again, it became a little cult, you know, it became a cult video hit because you couldn't escape the soundtrack the following year. 
So then after hearing the soundtrack, you run to the movie, and then after running to the movie, you run to the movie again and again and again and again. You showed it to your friends, and it became like a Days Confused or a Big Lebowski, you know. And I've seen this happen with movies multiple times in the last 45 years where they gain legs after the fact and you know they gain recognition after the fact they became they become successes after they've tanked and do i know it at the moment it's released if it's going to be one of those now is it cool to watch it become one yeah it's kind of neat to say i've seen that happen more than once um so all in all you know, I, I dig the movie. Is, is is it a game changer? Absolutely fucking not. In a movie like this, you, you were getting one every other month in the mid-90s. But is there something about it that gets you coming back? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, am I never going to watch it again? <laughs> I'm going to watch it more times before I die. Hmm. Um, it's I dig it, man. It's a feel-good flick. It's a hangout flick. That's what it is. It's a good yeah. hangout flick. When when you're when you're waiting for your copy of Days Confused to finish rewinding your VHS rewinder, go ahead and throw in your copy of Empire Records. That's what <laughs> I got to say about that. Um, yeah, I, I honestly couldn't have said it any better. I my thoughts exactly. I mean, product of the '90s is the best way I would describe this movie. Product of its time, mid '90s. Um, Back when MTV was still a thing, played videos, life was good, music stores were a thing, malls were a thing, you know, it, it, all of that, this movie's not going to make much sense to like my daughter or someone young. Yeah, she's not going to, you know, it's, it's completely different. There's a, there's a. At you have to be I, at least 30 years old to appreciate this. Yeah, it's, let's let's face it. With all due respect, we're dating both of ourselves here, but you showed us the Mads. There's a multi-generational gap that she's going to have a hard time <laughs> yeah. overcoming. Oh, and God yes. love that girl. She'll appreciate it at some point, but she will never you know, share the love for it like you and I do because we at least lived through that time. And, right. you know, I was literally, I was those people to an extent. I wasn't really so much a, you know, a Burko or I definitely wasn't a fucking Mark. He was a weirdo um, and AJ, but I was that demographic, you know, and, and those, the, I, I went to those type of record stores. Did I live there? No. Um, but all in all, it was definitely, it's, it encapsulates a good a specific period in contemporary American history that um, I don't think is ever going to, you know, be seen or achieved again, given what we know is as normal existence. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, finally, this film is sponsored by Sam Goody. If you pull any of the shit that occurs in this film, then you'll certainly be destined for a termination or a night at your local PD. Goody got it. Goody got it. All that being said, this film definitely gets the film effects seal of approval, and that'll bring things home for this edition of the show. One down, many more to follow. Goddamn, next week, we are celebrating halfway to Halloween. By giving you not one, but two horror selections. What are we giving them first coming this Monday? Uh, coming up this Monday, gang, we're going to do uh, Cabin in the Woods. So if you haven't 
seen it or if you need to brush up, do so now because y'all got a bonus episode on Rex Manning Day. You've got 72 hours before the official Cabin in the Woods episode of the Film Effect podcast. After that, what are we giving them, Ed? Oh, I think we're going to take things back, way, way back to 1978. We're going to start brushing up on our Halloween franchise, on the Halloween franchise, because I don't know if you heard this or not, but we got a new Halloween film coming out in October. And I thought it'd be pretty fun if we uh, started taking the next couple, well, not couple, but the next handful of months and uh, start talking about some of these movies that... uh, what is there? Twelve of these fuckers? Eleven? Jesus 12? Christ, you're so many uh, But we might, we might, we might, we might just skip over the zombie ones because I don't know. Keep your eyes and ears peeled, folks, because like I said, we got not one but two Halloween selections when with us celebrating the halfway month to our favorite holiday of the year, that being October's Halloween. Sean. This has been fun. Another, we did it. Another fun episode. As always, man. As always. So, uh, before we get out of here, just want to let everyone know they can check out previous episodes of the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Breaker, Stitcher, and wherever else they enjoy their favorite shows. You can follow us along on Facebook and Instagram at The Film Effect Podcast. Check us out on Twitter at Film Effect Pod. And if you guys want to email us about anything, what's that email address? Uh, the Film Effect Podcast at gmail.com. All right. All that being said, folks, we out of here and we will see you guys next week for 2012's Cabin in the Woods. Yes, sir. Turn the lights go dim and the opening credits begin to roll. We shall see you guys on Monday. Right. I'm Ed. That's Sean, and we will check you later. Oh,